is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There's, there's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay. Man. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. February 8th. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to Mr. Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including our show, which airs every single Wednesdays. Yes, Wednesdays at 7 p.m., which we are live right now, and Thursdays at 9 p.m. And Game On and all the other shows as you check the listings on our website every single week. Speedy, what's up? Well, I guess the game on approach would be not being a Brooklyn Nets fan, as I'm glad I am not in one of them today, as they uh, are trading away their circus. Kyrie Irving first, and who knows, maybe Kevin Durant after that. Well, I mean, Kevin is probably going to ask his way out of our famous clown place of a mall in Brooklyn. So, uh, I, it's a circus over there. I, I do not know what's going to happen to the leadership over there, including the GM and Sean Marks. Ownership might be deciding on parting ways with Sean at the end of the season. Kyrie was a failure. James Harden was a failure. And now it could very much be Kevin Durant on the next turn of events, which could be a failure as well. So congratulations to the Brooklyn Nets on failing in every single move they made over the last three years. So congratulations. Anyways, uh, yeah. by the way, has anybody drank applesauce? Uh, People eat applesauce with a spoon. I eat applesauce by drinking it. Oh, just sipping it straight from the container? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, I I think it – people think I'm weird, okay? I I do it all the time. When I'm eating dinner, if I'm I'm having chicken or – and even even on the holidays, Thanksgiving, you know, people don't like applesauce. So my mom buys applesauce, and instead of, you know, pouring it in a plate or – Putting it in a cup, I drink out of the carton. <laughs> My grandfather used to put it on some of his meat, too. Which oh, I it's found. delicious. I don't like that combination, but Why? I'll eat applesauce on its own. I don't like meat together with something like really? like that. Yeah, I can't do that. You don't like applesauce with turkey? Not on meat, no. Not directly on it. How about cinnamon applesauce? I never tried that. You've never had cinnamon applesauce? No. Oh, it's delicious. I've had I've had like other fruit variations. I never had cinnamon. Yeah, they they I've make had, it's weird. I've had like every other apple cinnamon thing imaginable. It's weird. I never. It's had delicious. That. Yeah, it's absolutely. No, I delicious. probably like it. I, I like other. Apple I know Snug stuff. likes it. Yeah, I know he likes it. I I don't know if I would pour applesauce or cinnamon applesauce on a cupcake. <laughs> I know that's something that he would probably like to do. That's not something that I would enjoy to do. But I I, I will say this. I love applesauce, and if you guys actually are watching the feed, I might be drinking 
out of the carton of applesauce. I haven't eaten anything all day. I've been running around, and now I'm here in the studio doing a live radio show. So happy to be here, as everybody knows. Uh, snug to answer your question. I, <laughs> my dog has never had applesauce before. so Oh, my God. But if, if he did, would you enjoy it with him? Not the same container. <laughs> Why not? He did other not, things with him. I'm not doing things that he licked in. Oh, okay. But he, he does like to lick things. So Yeah, that's the only way he will know how to eat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. At 7.30, we'll be talking to wide receiver and tight end of the USFL's Houston Gamblers. Brandon Barnes would be joining us a little bit later in the show. He played for the Jets, the Lions, and the Raiders in his NFL career. And at 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris, where he is probably looked at as a second or third round draft pick in the NFL draft coming up. So uh, we'll have a Michigan Wolverine on the show. So, Carl, eat your heart out. Carl, I tagged you in the Facebook feed. You better be listening. (laughs) Kyrie Irving obviously being traded to the Mavericks for Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Mr. Finley. Well, Finney Smith, a a first round, uh, actually a first round draft pick and two second round draft picks. So we'll get into that. Uh, Wojnowski says that the Nets have no intentions of trading Kevin Durant, which is a lie, I believe. But uh, I don't think they will trade him at this year, uh, this this week's trading deadline. I don't think that's going to happen because that's tomorrow. So I don't expect Kevin Durant to be gone by tomorrow, but I believe by the end of the season, in the offseason, Kevin Durant will be looking for a new location. LeBron surpasses Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Raiders now betting favorites of getting Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers says he won't make any decisions until after the Super Bowl. Raiders grant Derek Carr permission to visit Saints the only team so far that Carr has met with. Islanders signed Bo Horvat to an eight-year deal worth about $8.5 million per year, $68 million overall, which is a great deal for the Islanders, by the way. And But Lou Lamorello doesn't think so. We will get into that a little <laughs> bit later in the show. Why would you give him the deal if you didn't think it was a good deal? It doesn't make any sense. And Super Bowl preview. We'll, we'll probably get into a little bit of that this uh, uh, tonight, but tomorrow will be a lot yeah. of uh, a Super Bowl preview. Uh, we'll go in the ins and the outs of the game tomorrow. Uh, what, is, what is Jeff saying over here? Now that Kyrie is out of Brooklyn, the next cancer to go out is the Beave out of Bayshore. <laughs> the Beave is at a hockey game right now. He's hanging out with a girl at a hockey game. Congratulations to the Beave. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll get lucky. Um, so why don't we get into it? This whole Kyrie Irving thing has been all over the place, all season long. And this has been Kyrie Irving's mantra. It's really been the Kyrie Irving show ever since Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and even James Harden was traded for. It has nothing to do with Kevin Durant. It's never had anything to do with James Harden when he went to the 76ers. It had everything to do with Kyrie Irving. With the COVID situation, um, all the crap that's come out of his mouth over the years about the earth being flat, the anti-Semitic views. And by the way, I have some things to say about him after being traded and then taking back what, you know, hiding uh, for what he said with the anti-Semitic views uh, a couple of months ago, pr- pretty much taking back what he said and apologizing, unpolitizing after the fact he goes to Dallas. So I have a lot to say about that, but that that's on a whole nother level of information after I get into this trade. 
I sit here today, and I didn't think the Nets were going to get as much as they got for for a guy like Kyrie Irving, especially forcing his way out a week before the, the trade deadline. Usually, when it comes out throughout social media and it comes out from all different writers stating that Kyrie Irving went to the Nets and said he wants to be traded, it, it takes away his his trading stock. It really pretty much tells all the teams in the NBA, why do I have to trade a first-round draft pick? Why do I have to trade any good players for him? Because he wants out. He doesn't want to be there. The interesting thing about this is Dallas did exactly what the Brooklyn Nets wanted them to do. And that's, even though they they traded for Spencer Dinwiddie, an ex-player that played for uh, the Nets for quite a few years. Uh, uh, He was a good player for the Nets. He really uh, developed after being a journeyman uh, in his early career. He became a pretty good player with the Nets and then obviously got traded. uh, And then he became a journeyman again and then went to the Mavericks, signed a contract last year, and now he's back with the Nets. He could be traded at the trade deadline. Some people think that he could. Or the Nets decide to keep him and then maybe move him in the offseason. Who knows? Dorian Finney-Smith is a very interesting trade piece. He's a good player, a decent player. Not a, He's not a star. He's a guy that will give you probably around 11 or 12 points off the bench. Maybe you start him. Uh, it, it, on this team, he might he might be starting. Yeah, after Kevin, if, if Kevin Durant gets traded, he could very much be a starter. But he's a guy, he's a good player off the bench on any other NBA team. Uh, he can rebound. Uh, he's not much of an assist guy, but uh, he's a decent. He's decent. I think he averages almost a steal a game. He's not a bad player. He's a good three point shooter too. I think he's a thirty six percent three point yeah, shooter. Yeah, uh, that's an okay three point shooter. But he's definitely above average. A first round draft pick and two second round picks. So you look at this trade. This was a pretty good trade for the Brooklyn Nets. A lot of people sitting here says says that this is a good trade for Dallas. I'm going to tell you why it's not a good trade for the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic demands the ball. He's usually the guy that brings the ball up on the top of the key. Now Kyrie Irving is a guy that demands the ball. Two guys that like to ball handle. Two guys that like to shoot. Two guys that average about between 25 and 23 shots a game. There's not enough shots to get around for a whole team. Then again, two players. Luka Doncic has only played with one player who scored 20 points per game in any season he has, he, he's been in the NBA. And the one player was Chris Stapps Porzingis. What a dink! Mm-hmm. Another New York player from the opposite side of the city. And that's Manhattan and the New York Knicks. In the playoffs, Luka Doncic average or averages 32.5 points per game, 6.4 assists per game, 9.1 rebounds per game, and 1.8 steals per game, and a 0.6 block per game percentage, shooting 47.5% overall and a 36.6% three-point percentage. Kyrie Irving. In the playoffs, averages 23.3 points per game, 4.8 assists a game, 3.7 rebounds per game. 
shooting 45%. When you look at these numbers, you would think that these two players averaging about 50 to 60 points for your team is going to give you a very high likely percentage of you winning in the playoffs. The problem is two players that shoot very high, very good percentages, both demand the ball, both want to be the leader, both be the, both want to be the number one guy. If you look at Kyrie Irving when Kevin Durant was in the lineup, even though Kevin Durant was averaging more points than Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving was shooting in, in I would say about 80% of the games more than Kevin Durant was. And that's a problem. This is not going to be Kyrie Irving's team. This is Luka Doncic's team. That's what it is. That's why KP's no longer there. He's over there flying with the Wizards. Because KP thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to run myself out of New York. I'm going to go play with my buddy over there in Dallas. And how long did that take? Where he just, you know, obviously Dallas decided it wasn't working and they had to trade him. You don't need two alpha males on a team. It doesn't work. Look at the Miami Heat. When LeBron was there, when Dwayne Wade was there, and Chris Bosh, both those guys, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, were alpha males on their teams. Both of them. Dwayne Wade was an alpha male before LeBron went to Miami. And obviously, Chris Bosh was the alpha male over there in Toronto. They both had to step back when LeBron James decided to go and play and take his talents over there to Miami. It doesn't work in the NBA. It doesn't. LeBron James right now is no longer the alpha male of the L.A. Lakers. Yes, he's got all the records. And yes, his numbers show you that he's having a season uh, that you can compare to his best seasons of his career. But he's not the best player on the team. He's not. And that's the difference. Everybody knows Anthony Davis went healthy. He's the best player on that team. He's the youngest, and he's the most talented one out of all three of those players, including Russell Westbrook, who's washed up. In basketball, you need, you need stars to win. It's been proven. And LeBron James proved it. The Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen Celtics prove that. The Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant Lakers needed to prove that. Jordan and Pippen. Even the, the Detroit Pistons, the Joe Dumars. And the Isaiah Thomases. You needed stars to take your team to the next level. It doesn't work in the NBA to have one great player and the rest subpar players. You look at this team and you, you try to compare right now this Dallas, Dallas Mavericks team from last year's team with Jalen Brunson. Is Kyrie Irving better than Jalen Brunson? 100%. As a matter of fact, if Kyrie Irving just shuts his mouth and plays the game, Kyrie Irving is the best overall point guard in the NBA. It's not even an argument, and anybody that sits here and argues that is an idiot. He is the best all-around point guard in the NBA. As far as ball handling, shooting, shooting threes at a high percentage, getting to the hole at will, going to the foul line, 
shooting at almost 80-something percent at the free throw line. This guy could do it all. The problem with him is he's out of his mind. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is absolute nonsense. He is a complete clown. I can't wait to hear the garbage that comes out of his mouth in Dallas when this team goes on a three or four game losing streak. It's not going to work. And Luka is not going to deal with a big mouth idiot like Kyrie Irving. Now, everybody knows that Kyrie Irving decided to go to the Nets and not the Knicks. He had no interest in going to the Knicks because of Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was his favorite player growing up on the New Jersey Nets. Where is Kyrie Irving from? He's from New Jersey. He wanted to play in Brooklyn and win a championship in Brooklyn, something that Jason Kidd couldn't do. And now, who's the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks? Jason Kidd. And Jason Kidd came out the other day and said, this is Luka's team. This is not going to be Kyrie's team. This is Luka's team. Now, I don't know how that's going to, you know, pedal when Kyrie Irving steps on the court. Because there could be a lot of backpedals of Jason Kidd saying that in the end of this. Kyrie Irving believes that he is the best player on any team he's played for. If you remember the Cavaliers, he thought he was the best player on that team with LeBron James. Then he realized his leadership in, in, in Boston wasn't working out. And that's why he didn't want to stay in Boston. That's why when he went to Boston and then he was up for a contract, he said, Oh, I'm going to, I have no plans to leave in Boston. I plan to resign. And then all of a sudden, after the season, he says, You know what? I'm taking my talent somewhere else. I don't want to be here. I don't think I can win with this team, even though I have Jalen Brown and, and Tatum, two of the best young players in the NBA. Much more, if, if right now Kyrie Irving was on that team, that team is the favorites of winning the NBA title. It's not even an argument. Kyrie Irving grew up as a net fan, idolizing Jason Kidd. And that's, that's why some people think that this is going to work. I don't think it's going to work because Kyrie Irving can't be controlled. And what's going to happen in the offseason? Are they going to give him a max contract? Because I know for damn well, he wants, to, he wants to be the highest paid player in the NBA. He wants a super max contract. He wants 200 to 250 or $260 million in a five-year deal. If Dallas does that, and by the way, we all know about Mark Cuban. We all know what Mark Cuban has. We all know what Mark Cuban is all about. He wants to win titles. He's won one with Dirk. Mark Cuban was also a part of Steve Nash being traded years and years ago to Phoenix. Now, this trade, does it make sense? If Kyrie Irving shuts his mouth and goes and plays basketball and works out and actually lets Luka be himself and Luka lets Kyrie be himself, yeah, this could work out. Kyrie is not Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson will tag behind. 
You see him doing that with the Knicks right now with Julius Randle. Do I think Jalen Brunson is a better player than Julius Randle? 100%. If you don't, you're blind. But he decided to tail behind. He, Julius Randle was there longer. It's Julius Randle's team. Oh, yay. Spencer Dinwiddie is a good player. He's averaging about 17.7 points a game, five assists a game, three rebounds a game. He's shooting over 45%, which is really good for a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. He's he's a really good three-point shooter, averaging about 40% at the three-point line. And he's an 82% free throw shooter. This guy has really developed a skill. After tearing his ACL as a Brooklyn Net, he really, going to Dallas, has become a good player. He's averaging the same totals Jalen Brunson did last year. His numbers are actually a little bit better than Jalen Brunson's last year. Jalen Brunson is thriving right now in New York. Now Dinwiddie's going back to New York. A lot of people think that they might use Spencer Dinwiddie as a trade chip. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think the guy that they wanted in this trade was Finney Smith. That's what I think they really wanted. And I, I know everybody looks at his numbers. They don't really stand out. But he, he's still a fairly young player. He's averaging about nine points and four rebounds and, and about assist a game. He's shooting over 41%. He could th- shoot the three. It's definitely needed in the NBA. And a 75% free throw shooter, which is pretty good for a guy that's as young as him and still developing his skills. And probably was their second best playoff player last year after Luka. Yes, And the Mavericks are getting a, obviously giving away a first-round draft pick, which is going to be in 2029, so who cares about that? I mean, the Nets don't have a pick till 2029, so I, I mean— the first pick of the decade. They're going to get two 2029 first-round draft picks. Maybe they're lottery picks. Maybe this changes the, the team for the better. I'll tell you this, Sean Marks won't be there in 2029. I mean, this is a joke. The Brooklyn Nets— have been a joke of the NBA, a clown show. I don't, I don't sit here today and I'm, I'm going to argue my points any more than what it is. Kyrie Irving, it's a make or break time for him because he wants that big contract. He's not getting a super max. Now, if he plays well in the playoffs and he gets them into the finals, maybe. I don't know if he'll give him a super contract, but maybe he gives him a big contract, $200 million. It's Mark Cuban. You never know. <laughs> if he does, he's an idiot. I agree. I'm just saying, you look at his history. You look at Chandler Remember, Parsons. Remember, guaranteed money. Yeah, you look at Chandler Parsons, how bad that contract was. Harrison Barnes, how bad that contract was. Even Porzingis is recently, that he, they paid him after the Knicks treated him. He gave him a really big contract, and that steamed out after a year and a half. So I wouldn't rule it out past Mark Cuban to try to do it, especially since they finally have some financial stability. I think Dinwiddie and Finney Smith were the only two players that were making over $20 million on the team. And they traded them both away. So you can't rule it out by any means. And the Nets sat down the other day with Kevin Durant trying to persuade Kevin Durant to stay. I don't know if he if you can. If you're Kevin Durant, you're 34 years old, going to be 35. You want to win another championship. You, you, you really decided to leave Golden State and go to Brooklyn because you thought you have the best chance to win in the East with Kyrie Irving and maybe your best friend in James Harden. It didn't work out with James because... James and Kyrie were the ones not getting along. It wasn't Kevin. It was James and Kyrie. But Kyrie doesn't get along with anybody. So how does anybody believe 
that Kyrie Irving's going to get along with Luka Doncic when he had his best friend or his one of his closer friends from Europe, a.k.a. Kristaps Porzingis there, and it didn't work out over there. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing you have to realize is the fragile relationships with these NBA players, too. And Luka Doncic, this is the first time he has to deal with that kind of thing, too. Yeah, Porzingis was a good player when the Knicks traded him, but he's nowhere close to the level of Kyrie Irving at his peak when he's the top point they guard. They thought he was. He was I the mean, yeah, he had unicorn. The he had the upside, but never put it together in a full season. Had so many injuries, especially for his body type, too. He being a lean, seven-foot guy, and the way he played, he ran like that quote-unquote unicorn that Kevin Durant called him in 2015. But still, that didn't work for his body type long-term. But even so, Luka Doncic never had a player kind of like that with Kyrie Irving, too, where the relationship, the ego is going to have to be tested with that. And hopefully Jason Kidd can help stabilize it. Otherwise, you're going to get another disaster. It's a disaster already. And I like Jason Kidd. I always like Jason Kidd. I met Jason Kidd. I know somebody that took care of Jason Kidd when he flew his car into a tree out in the Hamptons. Wow. Okay? I, I know a little bit about Jason Kidd. I think he's going to... Uh, you know, take this team to higher heights. Uh, Rick Carlisle uh, weared out his welcome. He's now with the right. Pacers. Look what the Pacers are doing. He had good players over there, Rick. That's why the Dallas Mavericks were a good organization for the time that he was there. Uh, now you bring in Jason Kidd, a younger coach who has, uh, you know, uh, the ability and, and the background to turn this this organization around, as Mark Cuban believed that he did. And he loved him because obviously Jason Kidd was, an, you know, part of the Maverick organization for years. As a matter of fact, I think he was drafted by Dallas. Yeah, I think so. But this Kevin Durant thing, if anybody thinks Kevin Durant's going to stay with the organization, now I don't believe they're going to trade him tomorrow. The trade deadline's tomorrow. Right. So the chances of them getting what they want for Kevin Durant is crazy. I think you wait until the offseason and then you decide you tell Kevin, we're going to move you. We're going to try to get as much as we possibly can for you. We'll trade you wherever you want to go. If you want to go to Phoenix, you want to go play with LeBron, wherever, wherever you want to go. We'll send you to Boston, wherever. But right now, we're not going to get what we want to get for you for the talent that you are and the money that we're paying you. The Nets traded Kessler uh, Edwards to the Kings, clearing $8 million. I don't know what that means. They're probably going to trade... Uh, Joe Harris, yeah. it seems like they're going to. Joe Harris has been horrible. Ever since they gave him an extension and gave him that contract, and he was one of the better three-point shooters in the league, he's been honestly a decent three-point shooter. He's not he's not in amongst the league's top ten right now. He's good percentage-wise, but he doesn't shoot enough, so he's only averaging like nine points a game because of it. I think he's still shooting like 39%. What's he making, $18 million a year? He's making $18 million it's a ridiculous. year. And he's shooting. For again, a he's, seventh guy off the bench. He's shooting like 39%, but he's barely shooting. Like, I don't know if that's his fault or, or Kyrie Irving hocking the ball or whatever, but still, for a guy making $18 million, you should be shooting more than that to at least be a 13-point-a-game guy. And it really hurts them because right now they the Nets are currently 32-21. and 21. They're fifth in the Eastern Conference. They trade away one of their best players. Kevin Durant might not be back for another couple of weeks. You're going to fall apart. You don't even have a star there. You're going to depend on Spencer Dinwiddie to, to hold this team together until Kevin Durant comes back. And what? I, honestly, this team falls out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're not making the playoffs. This is another year that's wasted with a great player like Kevin Durant. And you're paying him a ton of money. You're paying, what, $45 million a year? For a guy that's not even going to make the playoffs. Now, if Kevin Durant comes back, maybe you're an eight seed or a seven seed. Right. You're not going to compete. 
You're not beating the Cavaliers. You're not beating Boston in a seven-game series or whatever. In the first round, it's five five games. Yeah, and then, then the play-in games, too, keep in mind, is, is a three-game series, too. So you're going to play right. all those extra games I to think, go along with it. I that. think they, they get out of the play-in Maybe, play-in but again, you, that's still extra games wearing on a, a big, uh, older body like Kevin Durant on a big body, six foot eleven guy that's had all injuries. And the He's Mavericks just... right now are 29 and 26. Uh, Luka is coming, coming back from an injury. He, he, they are fifth in the Western Conference. The Western Conference is just very weak right now. They don't have a lot of great teams. They have like, right. they're really three strong. In the East is like, I would say there's about five or six teams that could compete in the Eastern Conference. It's crazy. Remember the Eastern Conferences uh, of basketball in the 90s when it was really, it, the Eastern Conference dominated. Mm-hmm. And the West was a little tailing from behind. Now, obviously with Portland and, and Houston, there were good teams there in the Western Conference. But, they weren't as dominant as the Eastern Conference with the Knicks and Miami and the Bulls and, and all the other teams, uh, including the Pistons. So uh, there were so many good teams in the 90s and the 80s, even Boston as well. So you look at the big picture right now, if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, and there's quite a few of them, well, not a lot of them, but quite a few of them. Few of them. Just not in the playoffs. And, and by the way, they're... It's good. if they do make the playoffs, they're going to have to give the seats away because you have Kevin Durant and that's it. You don't have Kyrie Irving anymore, even though he's an anti-Semitic idiot. Okay, you don't have James Harden anymore, but you have Ben Simmons. Ooh, I, I mean, I forgot about Ben Simmons. Are you going to depend on Ben Simmons right now to hold this team together? I mean, a guy averages what eight points a game. So what? You're giving. He's the go-to man now. So what? Oh, what is yeah. he getting? What is he giving you? Fifteen <laughs> points a game? Well, less than that. It's I mean, come on, man. Right now. This is a joke. This this team is a joke. And by the way, they're overpaying him. An overpaid player that's making what thirty five million a year for thirty five like million a year a for eight points a game, seven rebounds a game, and what four or five assists. That doesn't work. Now I think he'll average more points because he's going to shoot more and. Lay up more bricks. But I, I, I just think that this team is falling apart. This organization is falling apart. And this is going to be another King situation. Mm-hmm. Because Sean Marks looked like a genius when he came to the organization. Building around youth uh, with Karis LeVert and Allen and all these other guys. Making a trade and bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie. And now all of a sudden this team is an absolute joke. Uh, before we go to break, uh, Snug says, don't rule out the Sacramento Kings. Mm. Boston was kind of good in the 80s. And uh, hmm, can we tell you talk about a mediocre fi- fifth-place team? Yeah, that's they're lucky it'll be, they'll be a fifth-place team uh, at this point. They'll be a tenth-place team, and they'll be squeaking into the playoffs at best right now. We don't know when Kevin Durant's coming back. Right. Uh, he could be back in four weeks with the mm. injury that he has. And now, knowing that Kyrie Irving is there, why would he rush back? Right. To play with Ben Simmons and Spencer Dinwiddie? I mean, come on, man. You this know is what, we, know, we all know what Ben Simmons does at the Barclays Circus. When he launches off the trapeze, he misses wide. I mean, left. right now, the Knicks have more talent than the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, Knicks. yeah, for sure. Much more talent. It, it's, not even, it's not even close. With Kyrie, the, you know, the Knicks are borderline behind the Brooklyn Nets. Now they're, it, it, the Knicks completely pull up in front of them and are the better team. And, and there are going to be teams jumping the Brooklyn Nets now because they don't have Kyrie Irving as crazy as it may be argued that Kyrie Irving's been nothing but a cancer for that organization. When we come back, we will be talking to wide receiver and tight end of the USFL's Houston Gamblers. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Barnes here on the Sports Lab Mouths. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. 
631-672-3108 is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speeder. Yes, Speedy Petey, the great and powerful, you know, not bald guy. That <laughs> looks like he's wearing a wig half the time. Uh, remember, you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows. Check out all our stories. Uh, Kyle Williams, a fantastic writer from Haiti uh, that writes for us, writes some fantastic stories. Great writer. So check out our website and check out all the shows that air live on our network, including our show that airs every Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Our first guest, first time on the show. Looking forward to having him on the show. And uh, he did play for my Jets for a little while, and I'm happy to have him on. Uh, we are now talking to wide receiver and tight end of the USFL's Houston Gamblers, Brandon Barnes. Brandon, what's up, man? What's up? How you doing? We're good, man. You look good. Appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, man, you're still playing football. That's good. And you're making some money and uh, obviously had a pretty good uh, career in the NFL. You played for three NFL teams and – how are you doing? Obviously, um, we haven't spoken to you ever, so this is the first time you've been on the show. How are you been since you know COVID nineteen and all the crazy stuff that's happened over the last couple of years? Uh, well, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on. I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, but I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm doing pretty good, actually. Uh, you have any kids? No, no kids. No kids. That's great. I mean, I'm, I mean, it's not great, but it, it's good because uh, you have time to, you know, obviously with your career and move forward and maybe have a, you know, a couple of puppies and then live happily, happily ever after uh, with a wife and a little picket fence. I don't know. Uh, some people. Yeah, that, that's that. the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into your career, uh, how is the USFL uh, right now? Uh, do you like it? Do you like the league? Uh, I actually love the league. It's pretty organized. Uh, you know, I've been in a lot of spring leagues. I've been playing a lot of football for the last, like, six years. So I was in the AAF, you know, the league that folded. And then I was in the XFL the first, you know, the first time it came around. And then, you know, with this USFL, it's, it's pretty organized. And, you know, I'm glad it's going into year two, you know, it being a spring league. So in terms of, like you were saying, the XFL, you saw you played it in its first year back in the first time in a while in 2020, and now it's trying to make its way back. Do you see success for it again as a whole uh, with uh, with new with new people running it instead of Vince McMahon after all the stuff that he was dealing with? Uh, hopefully they get it right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of rooting for the league because I got friends and I got former coaches that, that coach in that league and play in that league, so... Um, I'm hoping it lasts the whole year. I'm not too knowledgeable on, you know, this go around about, you know, how the league is this time, but I'm, I'm rooting for it. I hope it, I hope it sticks. Hopefully they can do a little merger, you know, USFL Mm. versus XFL maybe. That's interesting. Now, obviously you were an undrafted player. What was it like being undrafted and going to OTAs and and having the opportunity to get on a field with some of these professional players that your your dreams came true? You, You had the opportunity to step on a football field and playing for a team like Detroit and the New York Jets. What was it like getting, you know, making your dreams come true? Well, I mean, when I first got there, it was, I was really excited. Uh, You know, I just, it was just something that I just never imagined, you know, just finally making it. Cause I mean, I had a long road, you know, to go to the NFL. Um, I was a walk on in college, you know, uh, kind of counted out early. And I was kind of that guy that everybody looked at like, man, he made it like, that's crazy. But I mean, it was a blessing. 
you know, just to uh, be a part of those two organizations. Jim Caldwell was the coach there. Pretty good guy. Mm-hmm. He's really reliable. Like, I can call him right now. He might answer the phone. I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, really good guy. Made a lot of friends in Detroit. Uh, you know, guys I still keep in contact with six years later. And uh, with the Jets, I ended up playing with one of the guys that I actually went against in college every year. So me and him are pretty good friends now as well. So, I mean, those those two organizations, like, you know, I had fun there, you know, for the short time that I was there. So in 2019, you went to the Raiders in a, in a very year, in a year that was very crazy for them with the whole Antonio Brown helmet saga uh, right around that time and uh, everything going on with John Gruden behind the scenes and all that stuff uh, that came out a couple of years later. So I remember what, you uh, as a Raider. I do remember yeah, you. Yeah, so what, what was that year like, really, for the Raiders in the time you were there and all the crazy okay, stuff so, going on? Uh, to be honest, like, the, the training camp was crazy, so... You know, they was on Hard Knocks, of course. Yes. So, you know, you would see, like, little glimpses of me in the background. wasn't one of the main characters, but it was crazy. Like, I mean, Antonio Brown's locker was right by mine. And Mm. and I'm going to be honest, like, he's probably one of the greatest talents I've ever seen. Like, the stories about his work ethic and stuff like that is, is, I'm not going to lie to you, it's unmatched. Like, they, like everything that they say about the man's work ethic and stuff like that is true. Like he goes out there 20, 30 minutes before everybody, he's warming up. Every time he catches the ball, he's finishing all the way to the end zone. I mean, it was it was a sight to see. And then I got a crazy story. So Darren Waller was actually my roommate. Mm. So when I signed with the Raiders, you know, I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really recognize any tight end's name other than Luke Wilson, mm. which I played with him in Detroit. So Luke is like, he's he was a vet, you know, older vet. And, you know, I already knew him from Detroit days. But, man, when I got in the room, you know, I met Darren Waller. And I'm just like, okay, like, I've never heard of this guy. But, you know, he's he's big. You know, he's tall. And the first day he catches a crossing route and runs for like 60 yards, my first day. And I was like, I called my dad. I said, if this guy's not in the Pro Bowl, <laughs> like something's wrong. Like, I don't know where he came from, but he's good. And then my dad was like, is he really that good? I'm like, yes. Like everything about this man is advertised. So I had like a crazy experience there. I mean, it was a, it was a good time. They're actually my favorite team I actually play for in the NFL right now. Well, John Gruden, and by the way, uh, we are talking to wide receiver and tight end of the USFL's Houston Gamblers, Brandon Barnes, played with the Jets, played with Le- Detroit, also played with the Raiders. Uh, he had a, a pretty pretty decent career in the NFL, and he's still playing football as we are, are talking to him now, and uh, he's a big man. He played wide receiver, tight end, but John Gruden is a very – well-known coach, and and you know him pretty well because he was coaching that team. He was the one that found Darren Waller. He's the one that yeah. went to Baltimore and said after the game, I remember the story, he said, who's this guy? Before the game, he says, in preseason, who's this guy running up and down the sidelines? This guy is fast, and he's he's as big as a tight end. He's running, you know, he's running slant routes uh, faster than some of the wide receivers on the field. And uh, after the game, I remember the story is, is that uh, – the one of the coaches from Baltimore went to the locker room and, and told Darren Waller, "Say, listen, uh, you were just traded. Pack up your bags. Uh, you're, you're heading. You're heading to the Raiders." So, and, and it's so funny because Darren Waller, I've never interviewed him, but 
really, really nice guy. Great stories. Uh, yeah. He he was on uh, Real Sports. Uh, you know, he he's a good guy for all the trials and tribulations he went through. It, it's an amazing story. So when you actually roommates, did you ever have different conversations with Darren Waller and? and oh yeah, and we con- talked all the time. He uh, he was a rapper. Mm-hmm. Like he he can really? actually rap. He's he's really talented. So. You know, we would sit in the room with he'll be on the, you know, like on the game and stuff like that. And then he actually told me about, you know, his story. And I was just like, are you serious? He was like, yes. I was just like, man, that's crazy. I remember when Hard Knocks came in the room and uh, they interviewed him. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm just like, I do not want to be on Hard Knocks. So I (laughs) end up walking out of the room. (laughs) Like, I just was like, yeah, I'm not trying to be on Hard Knocks. But (laughs) I, I end up walking out and. You know, I was singing the interview later. I was like, dang, maybe I should have stayed in there. I could have got some TV time or something. There you go. What's wrong with that, man? You, you need the TV time. Yeah. More money, more cash, baby. That's what you need. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> what is it like? Uh, obviously, what was it like being coached by John Gruden? Uh, he He's a great offensive mind. Like, his terminology and stuff like that is insane. And, like, it kind of. You know, my goal after football is actually I want to be a coach. Like, I, I dream to be a coach. I actually dreamed to be a coach before I actually make it into the NFL. It was crazy. So, you know, being in that system and, and learning the terminology and, you know, like how he views things and how he reads plays and stuff, I feel like it helped me with my football IQ because in a lot of these other leagues, I've been actually playing in a lot of different systems. So it's kind of easy for me to adapt if that makes sense. So we actually, then, oh, sorry, God. Oh, yeah, and then, like, you know, once I become a coach, you know, I probably can use a lot of that terminology. Hey, D'Amico Ryans is a coach, so why can't you be a coach? Yeah, you could get there. I mean, we've seen a lot of ex-NFL players that obviously played in, in different, the CFL, and they come back and they coach as assistant coaches, lineback coaches, tight end coaches, and then eventually, you know, if if the coaching staff likes you, you move up and maybe you get an opportunity. Maybe eventually you'll be an offensive coordinator there, Brandon, and then maybe you can hire us as your assistants. I'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy right over here, Speedy, that guy is an analytic guru. You, he'll draw yeah, plays. I noticed when I was backstage, I was like, Hey, he knows some stats for real. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's funny. The, my question was actually going to be about the uh, the playbook end of it too, because we so we we actually had it, two months ago we had an ex uh, Colts and Broncos defensive lineman Daryl Reed on the show. We asked him uh, because he was teammates with Peyton Manning when he was in Indianapolis. What was the meaning of Omaha? So you being with the Raiders and being coached by John Gruden, what is the meaning of Spider Two Y Banana? If you know that. Okay, I don't want to tell it, but I I just know why banana means. The tight ends run the corner route. 100 percent And it's like that's the play you have to know. <laughs> like <laughs> you gotta know that. These these play calling and these names, I mean, it all came from obviously Peyton Manning. And by the way, we are talking to wide receiver and tight end, USFLs, a Houston Gamblers, Brandon Barnes, played for the Jets, played for the Lions, played for the Raiders. Uh, and now he's playing for the USFL's uh, Houston Gamblers. Uh, he's had a, a long career and uh, still playing football. But it, Peyton Manning really changed the game. I mean, these these audibles at the line of scrimmage. And I was speaking to somebody uh, the other day. I was at the gym, and I was sitting with somebody, and I said, 
if there wasn't a Peyton Manning, would would there be these funny names for play calling? I mean, every single time Peyton Manning was at the line of scrimmage, and he was young. He was like three years in. He was not only Omaha. He was he was saying some stupid, crazy stuff. Like he said, "Athlete's foot." I've heard him say that. He said some crazy stuff at the line of scrimmage, and these players had to know that these were audible plays and these were confined play calls that he wanted to yeah. keep to himself and he wanted to use in specific times of the game. So I, I, have you heard anything besides obviously that play call by Gruden? Was there anything else that was crazy, a crazy name that stood out to you uh, that was just outrageously crazy at the line of scrimmage? Uh, well, in my Detroit days, um, I don't remember the exact play, but we had a, a play that was called like an audible that was called Clayton. And then the, the, so Clayton is, it's an L word. That means it's to the left. Kershaw was to the right. Hmm. And it just, it made sense, you know, cause I think Matt Stafford and, and Clayton yeah, Kershaw teammates. really good friends. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it was just like, yeah, you hear Kershaw and then you just like, you know, like, but we all understood it. I just, I don't remember the exact play, but I mean, usually in Detroit, we was using like a lot of audibles as like, Relatable stuff. Mm. Well, I, I'll say this, Brandon. Uh, when Matthew Stafford comes back next year for the Rams, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna be looking for Clayton Kershaw, and I know that if he says Clayton, he's going left, and uh, you know Kershaw, he's going right. So you just probably gave away. If anybody or any NFL coaches are listening to this show, there you go. Clayton oh. means left. Kershaw <laughs> means right. Yeah, Courtesy for lie. Brandon Barnes. A lot of it's a lot of it's a lot going on, you know, when those bullets are flying. So, a lot of guys, they you know, they're just trying to lock in on what they have to do. Maybe if the Rams run out of money, they'll give Clayton Kershaw a football. Contract. I don't remember. I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo. He said chocolate factory at the line of scrimmage this year. He said chocolate, chocolate factory. I was like, what the hell is a chocolate factory? I don't know what that means, but maybe Kyle Shanahan likes chocolate. And he's a Willy Wonka fan or something. <laughs> Literally, that's how they come up. That's how they come up with the play name. Seriously, like it'll be something as simple as, "Man, I like going to Applebee's." <laughs> and then I like Red Robin, so it's like you know, yeah, my favorite fast food. You know what would be funny? That's funny you said Red Robin. If the offense, the quarterback saying Red Robin, Red Robin, Robin, and he's and the offensive line goes, mm. <laughs> that would be quite an instinct uh, offensive line for five people I mean, to do it all at once. You see the commercials, Red Robin. Mm. <laughs> Maybe it'll be an offensive lineman singing group, all five of them humming mm, all at once. <laughs> Anything's possible with football. Yeah. I mean, no, seriously. seriously, you see, you seen the Chiefs? They did the ring around the rosy. So, <laughs> I mean, anything's possible. That's that's more motion than uh, Jason Garrett's entire offense combined. <laughs> <laughs> So my question is about the USFL this season. You played in Houston, uh, 2022. You had uh, eight catches for 75 yards. So what was your favorite plays and moments from that season? Also, what is it like uh, living in Houston, playing in Houston? Touchdown, I mean, that was the favorite play. But, you know, me and uh, the other tight end, Julian, like, this year we're trying to, I'm going to be honest, we we really want to, you know, step up our, you know, utilization if that makes sense because we weren't really targeted a lot but like every time we caught the ball it was like a first down so like hopefully next year we we get the ball a lot more um but i did enjoy blocking for our running back our running back was pretty good he was one of the uh leader rushers in the usfl so 
you know, he was easy to block for, you know, at times he would be like in the meeting trying to figure out like the scheme, you know, just so he could, you know, run for more yards. So, I mean, I just enjoyed playing with the guys, honestly. Like I had a good group of teammates. They were all cool. Coaches was cool. And, you know, I keep a, you know, I keep in touch with a lot of those guys, like, you know, since, since last season. As everybody knows, we are talking to wide receiver and tight end from the USFL's Houston Gamblers, Brandon Barnes. Last question for us, and I, I it's a big story. And uh, to me, I, I want to ask a lot of ex-NFL players. Now, Arian Foster came out last week, and he <laughs> said that the NFL is rigged. He, he said that there's a storyline from every season. Now, I've been saying this with the Super Bowl. I believe in some kind of way, the Super Bowl is rigged. Some way, some somehow, it's rigged. Just me. I've watched a lot of Super Bowls. I, I can figure out certain things that I've seen in Super Bowl games that just don't make sense. But do you know anything about the NFL being rigged? Did you get a script in the beginning of the season? Is this anything to be true from what Arian Foster has said? Uh, I've never – I'm going to be honest. Like, it's – I don't think it's rigged at all, but you know, it might, I don't know. You know, I think that's above my pay grade, but <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like it's certain stuff that it makes you wonder, you know, like the, uh, the last play of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. when the, uh, the, the Seahawks lost to the Patriots, mm-hmm. you know, it was Malcolm Butler's coming out party. Like I was just like, man, like just run, you know, I'm thinking just run the ball, but you know, like, yeah, I, I just – I don't know. It, it'll make you think it's rigged, but I, I highly doubt it's rigged. I mean, because if it was rigged, you know, if we had scripts, I would be mad with my scripts. I, I would, you know, I'd probably still <laughs> be in Detroit if it was up to me. Remember, remember that part in that game too. Malcolm Butler was the fourth corner. Kyle Arrington was so bad in that game, he got benched. Right. It was a lot of injuries too. I mean, and I, mean I, I think he was working at Popeye's that yeah. same year. You've added a lot of uh, fast food restaurants in, in a, you know, with this interview. I know I, I like Popeyes too. So yeah, I'm kind of hungry. See, that's what we all need. So this is better than the uh, this is better than the offensive line singing Red Robin idea. Now we just need uh, we need, we need the Patriots players and maybe Bill Belichick, hopefully, to start singing uh, the Popeyes theme song. Yeah, like, oh, I would think about eating right now. Like, where am I going to eat? Could you imagine, Brandon, if? Bill Belichick saying like uh, you know the Popeye song or the Red Robin song. I couldn't imagine. Now I've heard that he has a personality. Apparently, he loves seeing Christmas carols. From everything we've heard, I want to hear this. <laughs> I, I definitely want to hear Bill Belichick sing a Christmas carol because yeah, that, that would be real interesting because mm-hmm. it, it seems like he's like a robot. They locked in. I just <laughs> yeah, I, I can't visualize that at all. Oh, I couldn't either. But uh, you know what I can visualize is you coming on the show uh we really appreciate you keep up the good work i would love to get you on the show again uh great personality great stories and we really appreciate your time my friend oh yeah hopefully y'all call me during the season because i I really plan on putting up some some decent numbers this year good i would love to see you get back into the nfl maybe oh yeah that's the that's definitely the goal Kevontae turpin he had a really good year i mean the guy played like 30 something games this year so i mean it's possible you know just got to put out put in the work uh, when does your season start for the USFL? Um, April, I want to say the April the 14th to be mm-hmm. exact, but I'm not sure. I know it's that week.
Well, my birthday's in April, so I'll be rooting for you, okay? I'll be oh, yeah. 41, man. I'm a lot older than you, so you could just call you me Grandpa. That old. No, I, I take good care of myself, man. I, you know, you got to take care of yourself. And uh, for the years, I, I am, I'm a gym rat, too. I like to go to the gym and work out and do the things that I can. But, you know, as you get older, you know, your bodies, your limbs start hurting. I'm just kidding. I, I'm, I'm in good shape. <laughs> but uh, we really appreciate you, man. Keep up the good work and go eat your... Uh, Go eat your Popeyes, man. I like Popeyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Houston, I, I've, I've been to Houston. There's, a, there's quite a few Popeyes over there. Oh, yeah. Houston is lit. I love Houston. <laughs> Brandon, thank you, man. You're welcome. Appreciate y'all for having me. Absolutely. Brandon Barnes, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic guy. Really, really good guy. And uh, has a good personality, too. Mm-hmm. Just uh, it, You know, it's it's different when, when, when you look at the league and how it – Every single year, transition. You see players come in and players come out. And the NFL, how many players have we we spoken to? And they've said, hey, you know, an average NFL player plays three, four years in the NFL. And then they're gone. But those three or four years, you know, depending on the opportunities that you have, you, you make the best of your opportunities. And and a guy like Brandon, he he never quit. He After his NFL career, well, it, it's not over, he he obviously didn't get signed. He jumped to different leagues, and now he's in the, U- the USFLs, uh, Houston Gamblers. He's moving. He's moving to tra- towards trying to go back to the NFL. That that's what you want. You want to see guys that have uh, you know the push and the stride to get back where they were on the top of their game. So uh, that's a great that's a great thing, and uh, we really appreciate Brandon Barnes for joining us. When we come back. We will be talking to NFL Draft Prospect, Michigan Defensive Lineman, Mike Morris, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two. 3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows. They're live throughout the week. You can call the shows. You can interact with all the talents on our show. Uh, we're on every single platform all over. And you can check out our show, which is on and airs every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And Thursdays at 9 p.m. So we're very happy to be here. Thank you to Brandon Barnes for joining us. Ex-NFL player, USFLs, you know tight end and hopefully back to superstardom and back in the NFL. But there is another player, uh, a college player that is now joining us, joining us for the first time and is a future NFL player uh, looked at to possibly be a second or third round draft pick. We are now talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris. Mike, what's up, man? How are you feeling? The uh, you, you have uh, the combine coming up. The NFL is right around the corner to being over with the Super Bowl. How are you and your family doing? Uh, how are you feeling for, for from after this great season that you had with Michigan? Uh, man, I'm feeling great. You know, um, just praise to the Most High God, and uh, just I'm happy with uh, my teammates, my coaches. Thing went the way it was supposed to. Unfortunately, we didn't get the wins we wanted to. We're very successful, broke records, and uh, we're still climbing that uh, ladder. 
So I'm happy. Michigan football culture, one of the one of the biggest ones in college football, both on and off the field. Great fans. They have the largest stadium in college football, over 100,000 people. So what was that like being a part of that Michigan program? It was great. Times just one one ten every game, every home game, just screaming a lot as loud as they can, celebrating, being there, present in the moment. It's it's lit. It's lit. Shout out to all the Michigan fans out there. Much love. You look at your college career, uh, obviously with Jim Harbaugh. What was it like being coached from a great coach like Jim Harbaugh? Oh, man, it was great. He treated you like a he treated you like a pro athlete. You know, he didn't take any BS. Uh, he kind of fined us in our college ways if we missed anything. So he would like take away some of our like food money, uh, take away some gear if we missed class. You know. Uh, Took a lot of like a lot of privileges away. He ran everything like it was a business, man. Treated us like pro athletes, treated us like respectable men. And I think him for that. So I feel like the next level is going to be smooth compared to how my experience at Michigan was. Jim Harbaugh has been known for cool recruiting stories. Do you have one for you? I don't have one. It was just like he just felt a little comfortable at my home. Like my dad said, kick your feet up and uh, grab your remote and watch TV. And he did exactly that. Yeah, I think he had some cleats on, though. Took his cleats off. Uh, sat on my couch, sat on like my little recliner and uh, kicked his feet up and started watching TV. So that's the only thing I have. Felt like home from the jump. So that's why I went there. We are talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris. Mike, the defensive line position, I mean, obviously, uh, there's there's a lot to understand. I mean, you could play nose tackle, defensive end. Uh, there, there's so many things that you have to understand playing those positions, especially a part of a, a front seven as good as yours was this year. What was it like playing with some of the players that you were playing with this year and, and the talent that you had on that team? That defense was one of the best in the country for practically most of the season and, and really flourished as the season progressively moved forward. What was it like playing with some of the players you played with? I trusted everybody on the field, so it just only amplified my play. Everyone talks about how good I was as a player, but that doesn't happen if Mozzie doesn't clog up the nose, if uh, DJ, Will, um, and Jamon don't cover. Um, Mikey doesn't do his job. The safeties don't do their job. Linebackers don't fill their gaps. Like I definitely got a lot of praise, but all my praise goes exactly straight back to our defense of just how cohesive we were and how uh, quickly we gelled so fast and just it just shows you how tightly knit we were as a group. In your 2021 season, you played with two guys, Aiden Hutchinson, who was the second overall pick in the draft, and also David Ojaba, who would have been a first-round pick had he not gotten hurt at the Combine. So what was it like playing with those two guys? It was nice just seeing them grow from where they were, especially Jabo. We came in together. I'm happy to call them our brothers. Love them to death. Hopefully I get to play against them or beat them in uh, the next level. As everybody knows, we are talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman Mike Morris. Mike, you were Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. Uh, I mean, when, when you look at the, the, the way you, you played this year and, and really the way your team played this year, and you were so close, you were so close again to going to a national championship, what was it like getting into the, you know getting into that playing game and having the chance to play for a national championship? I was excited. We fell short. The kicker is like Max Duggan is, is signed to my agency. I got a, a remembrance of that every time I see him. It's crazy, man. Beat some teams back-to-back years, beat our rivals, dominated the Big Ten, and then we went on to – we fell short, but we still made it. A lot of teams can never, ever say that. We're definitely thankful, but 
I'm sure them boys are as hungry as ever. So twice in the last two years, you beat Ohio State after Michigan could never beat Ohio State in the Jim Harbaugh tenure. So what were those moments like on and off the field? It was it was great. You know, I think what fueled it was everywhere we went, we saw uh, what Ryan Day said in 2020, that he was going to hang 100 points on our heads. Like the NCAA better implement a mercy rule. He ate his words really quick. And then what Coach Harbaugh said was, you can't stand on third acting like you hit a triple. So... I stand by that, too. It just shows you what we're willing to do to hand, take care of that game and take care of the boys down south. I mean, there's a lot of weekends that we we, weren't, we didn't get to go home because we are working out and enjoy our college, our college days because we were so dedicated to our craft. We are talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris. Mike, uh, you look at now uh, the combine coming up, obviously uh, the opportunities that you have to really showcase your skills – uh, right in front of all these coaches. I mean, obviously, there are many, many teams looking for a top-end defensive lineman. Uh, maybe the New York Jets uh, in the second round could be looking at somebody like you. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I would love to see you play with New York with some of those bohemians. What is it like being and having the opportunity to go to the Combine and show off those skills that you've had that you've shown off all these years in college? Um, and it's, it's a dream come true. Me and my Parents, friends have sat back and watched the combine. Some elite guys do elite things at the combine, but now it's my chance to get up there and show show what I can do. So I'm excited for it. Um, I'm preparing myself for it. Long days, late nights, constant mental anguish. I went to Michigan, so I'm not really worried about anything. So teammates at the uh, Senior Bowl and or entering the draft this year, any of your teammates that we should be watching for from Michigan at this year's draft? Uh, everybody. We all, we all come. I wouldn't say anyone's name. We're all going to be prepared because we are Michigan Wolverines. As everybody knows, again, we are talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman Mike Morris. Now, before we let you go, you had a great season. Was there a particular part of the season or a particular story or game that really stands out from all the rest that you remember this year that you can go on playing in the NFL and, and you know, tell those stories to some of the, 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 other, the older players, the veteran players of your experience playing in Michigan? You can name a lot of games where we were down. Every team has, like, a defining moment of their success. They knew this team was going to be different. We were doing our Michigan trip around. Uh, went to um, Mackinac Island. I never knew Michigan was this beautiful. Michigan is a beautiful state. I don't know if I can live there. It's too cold. You know, if I get drafted to the Lions, happy. The Lions player. Drummond Island, one of the boosters, owns the island. Has one of these, like, dirt trails. We call it, from down south, we call it mud. ATVs, whatever. You just go driving in the mud. That's what we did, right? We do the first trail, and we're having a blast. Like, it's straight mud everywhere. Almost ponds we driving. Almost ponds we driving through. Fun ride. Amazing ride, right? So I'm excited. I'm happy. We get back to the center area where everybody's at for the second people. Me and my friend Keyshawn Harris, we're like, let's go again. So we get on the back of like a four-wheel four four four. Like We're on a different, whole different trail. So they take us on a whole different trail. We have no clue what we're doing. I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I'm on for the ride. Let's go. So then it's called like the Rocky something trail. So I'm like, I'm 6'6", six, six, like 200 and like nine in the back of a four-door cart. And we going up something called the Rocky something. It don't sound right. Start going on it. And uh, it's like real sharp turns, like nothing crazy. And then we get like this bumpy, like rocky section. It was rocky, like World War II, Raiders, big rocks, all kinds of stuff. And we dumping all up and down them, right? Then we get to this one where it's like, it goes straight up. 20 degrees, like up like this. 
And we're like, I look to my, I look behind me. I see Coach Herb, our strength coach. We gotta do this thing. And I'm like, bruh, Michael Barrett was driving the car, and Mike B was whipping that buggy. I don't think we would have made it out if I was driving, but he was driving. He was whipping the buggy. He hits it full throttle. We, we up it right. And then there's another one where it's like, it's like a sharp, a sharp, like only like. Let's say it's like three yards wide. That's how wide the buggy is. The buggy may be a little bit tinier. So it's only a little bit you got to go through. Somebody dropping through, hit the tire, tire bust open, had to like get a ride from someone else. Mike B hits it perfect. Drives in, hits it perfect. And we're like, okay, we're good. I think we're at the top. Now we're driving down. As we're driving down, Junior was driving, right? As Junior drove down, hits it full speed, tries to make a hard left, flips the buggy, over a tree or something, flips the buggy. We don't know what's going on. All I see, like, I'm coming down the mountain as it happened. Two seconds. You see, like, 10 guys hauling, going. Like, they about to run the 40 of their life at Junior. They picked up the cart, flipped the cart, checked on Junior. I'm like, y'all good? And then we just keep going. Trevor Keegan is driving a four-wheeler. Trevor, like, full out throttles the four-wheeler, runs into a tree, <laughs> knocks the tree over, the trunk is like underneath the four wheeler, and now the tree is like on like on top of uh, the four wheeler, about to crush him. Right, it doesn't fall all the way because he got stuck on some more trees. Remember, hops off the four wheeler. That's when I was like, oh, I see the tree falling. I jump out the four door buggy thing. It's about ten of us, again hauling butt the Trevor, like within like split second. Like nobody thought about anything. Everyone just hopped out their vehicles. Got Trevor. Like a couple of us grabbed the tree, lifted it up off the off the four wheeler. Two or three picked up four wheeler off the trunk, put it back on. It was moving fine, and then we dumped the tree, everything out the way. We're good. We ended up finishing the thing, and it was just like Coach Herb told the story, and it was it was so much better because he's a great storyteller. <laughs> it just showed that we didn't care what the other one was going through. We we're gonna show up, no questions asked, ready to do whatever it took to get them out that that sticky situation. I feel like one of the best um, defenses in Michigan history we showed our resilience in Indiana game. We were down. That was the, I think that was the first game where we were down. Illinois, mm -hmm. Maryland went to their tunnel thing, and they were winning, and it didn't phase us at all. And I feel like that moment showed us that it didn't phase what was going on in our situation, that we were going to get through it. Maryland, I feel like that moment reflected. A couple plays on offense had to be up. And then pick six or whatever, we knew we were going to win that game. We just had to figure out a reason why. And then Ohio State, we didn't care what was going on, that we were going to like help each other out in any way possible for us to succeed. As everybody knows, we are talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman Mike Morris. Mike, uh, you're awesome. I want you to keep. I want to keep up with you. I want to make sure that we get you on after you get drafted. Uh, when you get settled in, wherever you go, wherever you go, I, I'm looking forward to to getting you back on and and knowing the feeling. I mean, being at the draft, it's it's in Kansas City this year. Actually, might be there. I, I, me and Top Ali are doing something over there. He's actually he has he's on a rapping tour, and obviously he's an ex defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, so I'm actually flying out there. I'm going to spend a couple of days with Taba and go to the draft, so I might actually see you at the draft, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm going to be following where you're going to go, and uh, maybe you're a Jet, 
maybe you're a giant. Uh, there's a good opportunity. Uh, we would love, no matter what, you're a good guy. Um, and we'd love to get you on the show again uh, when you get settled in, wherever you go. Thank you for having me. We were talking to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris. A fantastic kid. Mm-hmm. He is a fantastic kid. <laughs> that was a kid. great story, too. So. <laughs> he really is. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate y'all. Thank you all. He was fantastic. He's an upcoming star going into the NFL. Uh, second, projected as a second or third round draft pick. Maybe he's a late first round draft pick, depending on what teams would be interested in, in bringing in a young defensive lineman as good as him. But he, he is, he's a talent. And, yeah. and that defensive line was fantastic all season long. And he was one, he was the, one of the leaders of that defensive line. Everybody, he, he, you heard what he said. Mike was saying that he, he, he got a lot of the accolades because of what he did this year as the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year. But he said that whole line was fantastic. And he, he's a good kid. So make sure you reach out to him. Uh, thank you to his agent. Uh, who's his agent? Um, his, his, his name is uh, Case. I forget his name. Uh, Donahue is his last name. Case, Case Donahue. Donahue. So yes. thank you to Case Donahue for getting him on. Uh, uh, we would love to get, uh, obviously... Um, Mike on the show after he gets drafted. Uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing him at the combine and a fantastic kid. And now you have his number over here, so uh, you take down his number and you text him and tell him thank you. Yes. And uh, we'd love to get him on again. He's a fantastic kid. Yes. Uh, shout out to uh, Case, uh, his company Vayner Sports as well. Vayner Sports. Uh, shout out to Vayner Sports. Uh, I actually know Vayner Sports. So congratulations to. Mike Morris on a fantastic year and an up-and-coming NFL draft where I, I might have the opportunity to meet him because mm-hmm. I am going to Kansas City. I, I have talked to Tamba. I, I've spoken to him about it. And and being that it, it's, it's the first time it's going to be held in Kansas City and maybe the Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. So uh, it could be. So uh, as you heard uh, Brandon Barnes say that he does not believe it's rigged, but uh, he doesn't know <laughs> anything about it. But uh, interesting, interesting both, both. Brandon Barnes and Mike Morris, two really, really good guys uh, and two good kids in my words because they're younger than I am. So there you go. <laughs> Everybody's uh, a kid that's younger than you, apparently. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, too. I, I mean, some people tell me I'm a kid. And, I, and, and you heard Brandon. I don't look like I'm 40 years old. But I, you know, everybody that says that, they see about, oh, you're, you look 28, 29. But um, I am 40 years old. But uh, happy and listen. When, when you get that, you know, those compliments and, and you hear it from people, that makes you feel good that you take good care of your body and uh, obviously try to look as young as I do. So there you go. I, I don't look like a kid, but I... I no, I, you don't. But I, I, look, I look younger than my age shows. But I, I, honestly, 40 is not, not old. But, I mean, look at Tom Brady. Ten years, $375 million later with the Fox Sports contract, uh, he's doing pretty well for himself. So there you go. Uh, by the way, uh, Ben has some uh, some breaking news. No. The Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves in a discussion on a three-team deal for D'Angelo Russell back to the Lakers. Russell Westbrook and draft pick compensation, like, such as a first-round pick to Utah, and Mike Conley going to the Timberwolves. Ooh, three-way point guard swap. Thank you, Ben. D'Angelo Russell. Uh, that's an interesting move Back to for the Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. I mean, he's much better than Russell Westbrook. I, I don't know. What, who, who's getting Russell Westbrook? So it's Russell Westbrook and draft picks going to the Jazz. Well, he'll be, he'll be bought out. Yeah. Russell Westbrook. Right. Which was the plan out. initially for anyone that was going to get Russell Westbrook. The then Hornets he could decide where he wants to yeah. go. Yeah. Right. I, I could see him going to Phoenix. He'll go to a team that is a contender where he can come off the bench. That's where I see him going. I mean, 
a contending team. Maybe he goes to with Kevin Durant. I was going to say, maybe he goes back with Kevin Durant because it was never those two that had the issues when it came to like why Kevin Durant left. Maybe the Brooklyn Nets, maybe that that's how they can keep Kevin Durant at least a little bit happier. Uh you know, going into whenever he comes back. Sure. I mean, going yeah, into worth a shot the second half of the, the season right for price. him. It's not bad. I, I mean, it, Kevin Durant will be back in the second half of the season. After the All-Star break, he will be back. And I, I think trying being that tomorrow is the trade deadline, I, I think you want to make sure that Kevin Durant's a little bit happy. So maybe if Russell Westbrook gets bought out, you bring Russ in. Uh, you have Spencer Dinwiddie. Maybe you have Dinwiddie start, and then you have Russ come on and, and play You know, a little bit with Durant. And I think that would make Durant happier. I mean, at least a, a little bit happier than, than losing Kyrie Irving to go to Dallas. I, I, I could see why he would be upset. LeBron surpasses Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become NBA's, the NBA's all-time leading Scorer, and I know a lot of people. Everybody's talking about it, especially Stephen A. Smith, because it, it's to me it's a great feat to to do what he did as an NBA player. By the time LeBron James retires, he's going to have every single record. He's going to have every single record. He's going to have every single playoff record. He's going to have every single regular season record. This guy is one of the greatest players of all time. And I know a lot of people want to compare Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan because he's similar to the way Michael Jordan played. But Kobe Bryant is not in the same hemisphere as LeBron James. And for anybody that thinks that, I'm not saying you're an idiot, but you're dumb. Kobe Bryant had a fantastic career. May he rest in peace. He, he's he's, he's going to go down as one of the top 20 players to ever play the game. But to say that Kobe Bryant is a better player than LeBron James, you're you're not looking at the big picture here. LeBron broke the record on a fadeaway jumper last night with 10.9 seconds left in the third quarter as uh, the Lakers matched up yesterday against the Thunder. LeBron needed 36 points yesterday to break the record. He finished with 38, 13 for 20. Look at those numbers. 13 of 20. 20 shots, 13 hit. Look at the, that's like, what is that, 75%? Something like that. I think 15 for 20, 75%. So that's like, uh, that's like 71 or something like that. 69 maybe. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. For a guy at his age. LeBron is what, 36, 37 years old? He's 38 years old. That was the other fun stat, too, because uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke the record in 1984, and LeBron was born in 1984. What, is he 38 now? He's going to be 38. Well, I, he's 37. No, no, I think he's just turned 38 this year, or last year, 2022. I think he's I think I he was 37. I think he's a New Year's Eve baby, if I remember correctly. I, think, oh, I don't know. Yeah, so I think he just turned 38 a couple of months ago. Well, LeBron finished last night with 38 points, breaking the record by two. LeBron said about this moment, everything just stopped. It gave me an opportunity to embrace it and look around and seeing my family, fr- fans, friends. It was pretty cool. I probably can count on my hands how many times I cried in 20 years, either in happiness or in defeat. So that moment was one of them. And when I kind of teared up a little bit, it was like it was like I can't believe what's going on. I can't believe my tears has taken me to this position. Uh, 
in my career. So LeBron James, you know, obviously saying that. And then he also said, I just want to say thank you to the Laker faithful. Uh, you guys are one of a kind. James told the fans and turned out in, in droves of chances. Uh, I'm sorry, chance. Uh, to see uh, a generation, a generation of a play, a generational player like LeBron James, so fantastic. And and by the way, um, he also said, "I am a historian of the game, so I know what guys like Kareem and Wilt and MJ and Magic and Bird and Oscar Robertson and Elgin Bear, uh, Baylor and the rest." I could be up here all night talking about all the greats and the legends. James said yesterday. Uh, or Tuesday, when he asked about passing the torch moment with Abdul Jabbard. For me, personally, it's just an honor to be named with all the greats. So uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbard, who's a fantastic player, he had the right, he broke the record uh, April 5th, 1984, lasting 38 years until LeBron James broke it Tuesday night. You had so many great players that came close to that record. Carl Malone was another one mm-hmm. that came very, very close to that record. Uh, you look at all the greats that played and never had a chance to even come close to that that unbelievable record by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen. And he was a Laker, but... He, remember, he was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, they won their Bucks only championship until two years ago. So, I mean, his career was fantastic, and he had to, he finished his career with the Lakers. And maybe LeBron fin- finished his career his career with the Lakers. Maybe not. But LeBron James will still go down as one of the great Lakers to ever play the game. LeBron is now an all time leader in both total points in the regular season and postseason. He has thirty eight thousand three hundred and ninety points and counting. In the regular season, 7,631 in the postseason, totaling 46,021 points. LeBron James has scored in every game he has played in his career. 1,372 total games played. LeBron holds the record for most consecutive game scoring, 10 or more points at 1,067. LeBron is the first all-time He's first all-time in 20-point games with 1,136. LeBron is second all-time in total field goals made uh, with 14,053. Kareem still holds the record at 15,837, which LeBron will break by the time he retires because I expect him to play for at least another two years. So I I think he'll break that record. LeBron is second all-time. Uh, in 30-point games with 517 to Michael Jordan's um, 562, which he will break in the next probably two years. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, article reaction, obviously, I'm not going to read the article, but the the article pretty much states the greatness of what LeBron James is, okay? For any haters out there, that hated LeBron James. And there's a lot of people that have been a part of this network that mm-hmm. can't stand LeBron James. Brian Snow, we're looking at you. <laughs> and he's, he's not even a part of the, the network. <laughs> no, but he calls all the time and says, oh, this player that is like 50th all time in most people's eyes is better than LeBron. <laughs> For all the haters out there, okay, of LeBron James. And, and LeBron James, he was a fantastic, I, I, I repeat, a fantastic player. In his youth, and now still, at the age of 38 years old, still amongst the league's best. You sit here today, how many guys would you take over LeBron James right now in the league? Nine? 
10? For a guy that's 38 years old, it's Tom Brady-like. You look at at the age of 38, a basketball player, which, by, by the way, has never had a major injury. Nope. Never tore his ACL, never tore his shoulder, never teared anything significant that's affected him to miss a whole season. Eight straight final appearances. Winning multiple titles. And doing what everybody expected him to do when he came out of high school. The last player to be drafted out of high school. Remember, we have seen a lot of great players, a lot of high school players, a lot of great athletes come out of high school and never amounted any to anything. A lot. Never. And when he was drafted and he was mentioned as the king, and I used to think it was a joke because I've seen, as a kid, we've seen so many guys come out of high school and failed in the NBA. Failed. Just never were successful. And this guy was rookie of the year. And then his third year, he went to the finals against the Spurs with a crappy team. I don't want to yep. hear about Larry Hughes and... Igalskis, and, and, you know, Igalskis was probably the second best player on that team. He was like I don't a third hear center. I, I don't want to hear it. That team sucked, okay? That was a horrible team. And he took that team all the way to the finals. Yes, he got swept by the Spurs, Tim Duncan, and, and obviously Parker and, and Ginobili. We all know that. They got swept. The fact that they were there and they were the best team in the East that year was remarkable. For a young kid like LeBron James to take over like he did in the playoffs, and still put up numbers in the finals the way he did, even though they got swept. He is a special player. He's a special specimen. We'll never see a player, just like we'll never see Michael Jordan again. You will never see a player like LeBron James again. Never. For all you haters out there, it'll sit here today and say, well, he he comes in a game that... People, people get you know touched and they go to the foul line and uh, he he cries to the referees. We, I understand that. And so I, does everybody else. <laughs> I'm just saying the league is different. Just like the NFL, the the league is different than it was in the 80s and the 90s, and and the rules are completely different. But what LeBron James has James has done as a superstar player and really transitioned the game for what he has, and it, it really he did change the game. When three superstars banded together to win titles. He changed the game. He changed the way the game works. Just like everybody talks about Steph Curry changing the game as far as shooting is concerned. And ruined the game, by the way. LeBron James ruined the game, too. But he also changed the game. Look at the the contracts these players are getting because of the TV deals that the NBA is getting. The endorsements that the NBA is getting. And one of the main reasons why the NBA is where they are today, yes, Michael Jordan really helped internationally, but LeBron James is the biggest international player in professional sports right now besides Leona Messi and Ronaldo. Those are the only two players right now are probably internationally bigger than LeBron James. LeBron James is the biggest American superstar in professional sports to this day right now. And and nobody can argue. I don't want to hear about Tom Brady and uh, 
Aaron Judge, as great as a player he is, whoever's the superstar, nobody even knows who Mike Trout is. Trout is. Yeah, I was going to say, baseball's really far behind with that. I'm just saying. You have hockey players like Connor McDavid, great player, but is he world-renowned, internationally known? No, he's not. I mean, the next international player is probably a boxer, okay? That is most, mostly known because of his boxing skills, right. like Mayweather or somebody like that. No, you're right. It's, pro- it's probably soccer players first and then probably no, I'm ta- Le- I'm, LeBron. I'm, yeah. I'm speaking about American superstars that are known internationally. Oh, yeah. LeBron's definitely number I'm one. I'm not talking yeah. about LeBron. I'm talking about after LeBron. The next player or athlete that I could remember that is as big internationally is a boxer like Mayweather. Mm-hmm. He's inter- internationally known. We'll never see a player like LeBron James again. I promise you. We'll never see a player. As a matter of fact, these records that he is breaking right now won't be broken for another 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's how good these records are. That's how important and impossible and important these records were held by some of the greatest players to ever play the game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the, one of the greatest offensive talents we've ever seen. LeBron James in his prime was one of the best defensive talents we have ever seen. He'll never be compared to Michael Jordan for what Michael Jordan did as a defensive player or Scottie Pippen or any of those guys. No, because that wasn't his game. But when he needed to shut down the point power forward, the point guard, the shooting guard, ask Derrick Rose when Derrick Rose was at the, at the top pinnacle part of his career as the point guard, the MVP of the league, who, who was impossible to score against. He will tell you LeBron James, not Jimmy Butler, not any of these top-end defenders. He will tell you LeBron James. And LeBron is still a six-time all-defensive player in his career, too. For a guy that has played every position pretty much imaginable and has the perfect body type to play every position imaginable, six foot nine, 250 pounds, he can play like a guard, he can play like a forward, and say done it for 20 years. You don't see longevity like that every day. It's, it's really amazing. And, and LeBron James has done it year in and year out, and that's why he's special. And that's why when you look at the big picture and where the NBA has grown and where it's gone since Michael Jordan and obviously Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan, it has been everything and everything, everything and all LeBron James. Snug says, everyone said that about MJ, and then there was Kobe. Everyone said that there would be no like Kobe, and then there was LeBron, and then there will be somebody else. No, I'm not saying there's not going to be a great player that's going. The French player, the French kid that's coming out in this year's draft. Yeah, Wana, Bayayo. Yeah, whatever his name is. I mean, that's an interesting name. It's just like the Greek freak. I mean, it just, you know. You're going, I'm going to have to figure out how to pronounce that when he gets drafted. At least, he, at least his first name is Victor, though, so that'll be a little easier. Vic. But um, <laughs> nevertheless... There will be great players that come into the league. Kobe Bryant is not Michael, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant is not LeBron James. You can compare, and, and by the way, Kobe wasn't even the best player on his team when he was at the top pinnacle part of his career. He wasn't. Shaquille O'Neal was when they won all those titles. So, again, I'm not taking shots at Kobe Bryant. I'm just trying to say that LeBron James has transitioned the game of basketball for not only money. Look at the endorsements. Look at the money that these players are making. As a matter of fact, the highest, the second highest players, besides, well, third highest players in professional sports are basketball players. You look at it. It goes soccer, or a.k.a. European soccer, baseball players, because this is guaranteed money, guys. Right. And then basketball players. 
I mean, basketball players, top end basketball players are making over $200 million. I mean, and that's guaranteed money. There are players on the bench of NBA teams that probably never see the light of day on a basketball court, a professional basketball court or game. They're making $5 million a year. Okay? It's ridiculous. And the contracts and and the NBA as a whole, as an organization, and it's probably, their players are probably, as far as social media is concerned, the most followed players in professional sports. Oh, yeah. By far, especially with the international loss, too, that the NBA is now getting around the world, too, because you have all these European players like Giannis, like Luka Doncic, helping that out as well. So they're knowing who LeBron James is now. They're knowing who Kevin Durant is now. And these guys that they're playing against, Steph Curry, guys that are already popular in the NBA for, for us are now getting that kind of traction out there. Plus, LeBron has all his movies, all his other stuff, too, that he's working with now, too. So he's going to gain a lot of international lust just based on that alone, too, in addition to countries like Canada that are now growing in basketball as well, Australia that are growing in basketball. LeBron is an icon for that kind of thing. Yes, Michael Jordan was the first to do it, no question about it. But LeBron, I think, has definitely helped to grow even further like around the world in different parts of the world, too. All right, so, for, for again... This is not to blow LeBron James up or, or, or you know, blow kisses to LeBron James because that's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and if you want me to do that, I, I'm not blowing kisses to LeBron James because I'm not a big fan off the court on what he says and what he does. Right. But as a player, you can't take away his greatness. Just like as a, as a Knicks fan, I couldn't take away the greatness of Michael Jordan. As a matter of fact, Michael Jordan, for the years that I have been on this earth, is still the greatest professional athlete I've ever watched play a professional sport. And I've seen a lot of greats. I've seen Tom Brady when he was drafted and his career as a professional football player. And Dan Marino and Joe Montana and all the great quarterbacks and all the great defensive players like Reggie White and and all of them. Everyone, even including the guys like Darrell Rivas that is going to go down as one of the greatest corners to ever play the game, and baseball players. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player, greatest athlete I've ever seen play. And everybody knows I'm a boxing fan and an MMA fan. I love it, and I know all the greats, and I actually know a lot of great MMA fighters because I trained with them, and I'm friendly with a lot of greats, some of the greats. Anderson Silver, know him personally. I know these guys. Some of the greatest athletes of their professional careers and uh, professional sports. LeBron James is going to go down as one of the top 10 athletes to ever play in any professional sport. Top 10. Yeah. Longevity alone is you know, unheard of, too. We were talking about it last week with Tom Brady. It's even harder for somebody who has to do everything like LeBron does because it's obviously you're taking a lot of hits at the quarterback position, but you don't have to move around as athletically. It's not like Tom Brady is Lamar Jackson running and, and has to roll all out of the pocket. <clears throat> LeBron is doing this on the court for pretty much every game in his career. Yeah, I know he's out for load management and stuff like that, which... What uh, is that, five games? I know, that's like five to ten games a season, depending on how healthy he is. And then if he has some minor injuries, like you're saying, it's only minor injuries. He played, he he was limping in the finals with Kyrie Irving when they won the the championship with the Cavaliers. Right. The guy wasn't healthy. He got thrown on the ground by uh, our very, very good friend from (laughs) Golden State. (laughs) And Draymond Green knows what I'm talking about in game number seven when he tossed LeBron James on the ground and almost killed the guy, okay? And he still went to the foul line. He still hit his foul shots, mm-hmm. okay? And he was, and everybody likes to compliment 
Kyrie Irving because he hit the big shots of the game? Who hit the foul shots? Who made the major block in the game right. that that really transitioned the game when Golden State was up by three points? Come on, guys. Who needed to shut down? Yes. Who needed to shut down Steph Curry when Steph Curry got hot in game number seven? It was LeBron James. So you sit here, and everybody wants to take shots at what LeBron James has done, and he's not a gamer. He's not, when it comes to the big game, he doesn't win the big, get out of here. He averaged 40 points a game in that finals alone. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm tired of listening. Again, what he does off the court, I am not a big fan of. And what he says in social media, and like he likes to you know, open up on whatever he wants to open up politically. And I'm not, this is not a political show, so I'm not going to get into it. But as far as straight talent, LeBron James is going to go down as the number two greatest basketball player to ever play the game and top 10 greatest athlete to ever play in professional sports when he is done with his career. And that is a fact, period. For all you haters out there, the Guidos of the world, the Tyler Harris. No, Guido loves him. Tyler hates him. <laughs> Whatever. Anybody. Anybody that's spoken or attacked him. But, again, Perkins needs to calm down. Kendrick Person, Perkins needs to calm down on, on trying to compare LeBron James to, Le, uh, to Michael Jordan. There is no comparison. Per, I understand Perkins played with or played against and played with LeBron James, and that's great for him. That's great for him. He never played with Michael Jordan. He never played against Michael Jordan. So he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. That's it. Snook says, oh, no, please not again the MJ versus Kobe versus LeBron argument. No. Um, because if, if you want me to show you the numbers to that, it's not even a comparison to LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. There's not even a comparison. I mean, in every single statistic, if you look at the game and the way the transition of the game, I could send it to you guys on social media. You want to watch the video? There – Analytics will show you that LeBron James doesn't even come close to Michael Jordan in yeah. any kind of way. Yes, yeah, but, but agrees with you. But, but Kobe Bryant, a hundred percent. Kobe Bryant doesn't come close to LeBron James in any analytics. Right, that's a fact. Even even skill wise, Kobe, the only thing he does better is shooting, and that's that's it. LeBron does everything else better. Literally, defense, passing, size, rebounding, all that stuff, and just overall scoring. As he's now on the tops of the scoring list too. Obviously, the longevity help him, but still, the longevity is part of your game too. That's impressive. Uh, Snug agrees with you. MJ blows LeBron away. Everybody loves MJ. Not sure LeBron's kids loves him. <laughs> I don't know. LeBron, I think LeBron's kids are still celebrating from just him get, getting the record and wherever they went to. <laughs> I think LeBron is uh, celebrating that Bronny is going to go play college ball and uh, he'll have the chance because he already said that he will not leave until he gets a chance to play with Bronny. So yep. that means that that has to be at least another year because Bronny is a senior. He's going to play college ball next year or he's playing in the G League and then he has to be drafted and uh, wherever he gets drafted. Wherever LeBron decides to go or if he stays with the Lakers, I think he has another year left on his contract. I, I don't know where LeBron is going to go or, and, and where his son's going to go. Maybe he goes to New York. Maybe he goes to the Knicks. Maybe, uh, and knowing the Knicks and, and, and the luck of the New York Knicks, uh, LeBron James goes to the Knicks and his, his career starts to fall apart. And he, uh, you know. I mean, he's, he's 39. I mean, we just hope it doesn't have to be that I'm bad. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> because I it mean, hasn't happened yet where it's like a major thing like at the end of Kobe's Knowing career. the Knicks and the luck of the New York Knicks – Bronny gets drafted by the Knicks at 16 or 17 in two years. And he's, he's, he's looked at as a second-round talent. He goes – and by the way, Kenyon Martin's son, 
Kenyon Martin's son was a second-round draft pick, yep. and he is playing great basketball right now. Mm-hmm. I did not expect Kenyon Martin's kid to play as well as he has. Okay? And he's having a, he's having a great ten, uh, season. Even though with there's, there's injuries, uh, he's playing. He's stepping up, and he's getting the playing time. He's proven himself. So um, I've been very surprised with him. But Bronny is undersized, and that's what worries me. He's not his father. And he's, he, he talks a lot. LeBron James, even as a young player, he wasn't a talker. I don't know if anybody's seen the documentary with LeBron James when he was in Cleveland in high school. Um, I think Disney was the one that did that. Uh, I forget what the the documentary, documentary was called, but uh, he, you got a chance to get to know LeBron James and how he... He lived as a high school player. His mom had nothing. Uh, his father left him when he was a baby. Wow. And, uh, you know, obviously his, his best friends were the guys that played on the team. And, and, obvi- and some of those guys are actually still a part of his team now as far as agents and assistants and stuff like that. I think his best friend it was a part of that team. It's his assistant, his number one guy, hmm. his right-hand person. So wow. um, LeBron James says – Always stuck from what he believes in, and, and uh, as a player, a, a fantastic talent. Um, Raiders now betting favorites for Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers says say he won't says he won't make any decisions until after the Super Bowl. He can't make any decisions after, until after the Super Bowl. One, okay, and he's not going to make the final decision here. He doesn't have a no trade clause like Derek Carr does. Derek Carr has to want to go to that team and that organization before he can look to the Raiders and say, well, uh, the Saints are going to give you this, this, and this for me. He has to make the last and the final decision if he wants to be a Saint. Now, Derek Carr right now, uh, the only team that has requested to interview and talk to Derek Carr was the Saints. That doesn't mean, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to the Saints. Because he really doesn't want to be traded. He wants to go to free agency and he wants to decide where he fits best with that organization. Now, the Raiders want to get something back for him. This guy is a franchise quarterback. He can be a franchise quarterback. If you look at his numbers, he absolutely is a franchise quarterback. But the question is with Aaron Rodgers is, does he want to be a Raider? Does he want to be a Jet? Does he want to be a Packer? Does he want to play for Tennessee? Nobody knows what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Everybody is assuming. I don't care what Vegas says. <laughs> Vegas has Aaron Rodgers the favorite to go to the Raiders. Who cares? Vegas bias. First of all, Aaron Rodgers has to contend with one guy that a lot of people don't like, and that's Josh McDaniels. Okay, Josh McDaniels has been a quarterback killer. As a matter of fact, Josh McDaniels was the one that drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. Yeah, that was Josh McDaniels. Yes, Tim Tebow Tebow did okay with the Broncos, won a playoff game against Pittsburgh, surprised everybody. And, And by the way, I like Tim Tebow. I think he's a great guy. Nice guy. When you meet him, friendly respectable, respectful, respectable player in the NFL. He really is. Even in college football as an analyst, 
really is respected throughout the college rankings too because of what he was in college with Florida and Urban Meyer and those teams with the Gators. Josh McDaniels, besides Tom Brady, what has he done in this league uh, developing quarterbacks? And don't say Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, Mac Jones had an off year. And last year he looked better and he was up for possibly a rookie of the year candidacy. Josh McDaniels has killed every team, every organization he's gone to. And that's two. And he could have been a cult, too. But he decided after he agreed to taking that contract 24 hours later, he did did a Bill Belichick. He said, I don't want the job. I'm going to go back to the Patriots. Maybe Andrew Luck would have retired that year instead of the year after. He did a Bill Belichick. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, and, and, and the fact that he got another job after what he did with the Colts, I mean, despicable. He's a disgraceful person. That's just my opinion. And now he's with the Raiders. And he failed with Derek Carr. They bring in his best friend, a guy that decided to part ways with Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers as they were the number one seed in the NFC last year to go to the Raiders and were one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. An embarrassment. And now Aaron Rodgers wants to go over there and play with the Raiders. For what? To ruin his career? If I was Aaron Rodgers, I would look at all my options. And if the Raiders are the team that you want to go to because Devontae Adams is there, just think as a player, but not only that, think as a GM. Do you want to go to the Raiders that have nothing defensively. Yeah. Nothing. They were one of the worst defenses, t- defensive teams in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers, they weren't a great defensive team this year, but in the second half, they were a really good defensive team. And they were the defense was one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay were one, one play, one quarter away from making the playoffs. The Raiders are not good, and you you have to play in the AFC. In, and by the way, you have to play in one of the hardest divisions in football. You got to play against Patrick Mahomes twice. You got to play against Justin Herbert twice. You got to play now with Russell Wilson. And by the way, now Sean Payton over there. It is not going to be easy. And you have Josh McDaniels. Out of all those coaches, well, it, Josh McDaniels second worst in that in that division. But you have two Hall of Fame coaches in that same division. Sean Payton and Andy Reid. And you have to play them four times. And both coaches know you very well. So if I was Aaron Rodgers, just me, and I'm not saying to go to the Jets. If I was a betting man, I would choose the Jets over the Raiders. One, because of the young talent. Two, They have Nathaniel Hackett there as their offensive coordinator, which you know very, very well, who, by the way, gave you your best years as an NFL quarterback. Two, they have a top five defense in the league. Three, they have weapons. Maybe not Devontae Adams talent, but young weapons that could be Devontae Adams talents. Garrett Wilson was rookie, uh, offensive rookie of the year this year. 1,100 yards with 
fourth-string quarterbacks. That's what he did. Elijah Moore, who barely saw the ball this year, still had over 400 yards. Denzel Mims finally started playing. Corey Davis, when he was actually in the game, was good. Conklin was good. They had nobody that could throw to them. They were a run-first, throw-second team. And by the way, worst offensive coordinator in NFL history in Mike LaFleur, which, by the way, he goes to the Rams, and what a debacle that is. But guess what? They have Sean McVay calling the play, so who knows? Who cares? Aaron Rodgers really needs to make a straight-up good decision here. Because it's not going to be Green Bay next year. I think Green Bay has already made their decisions that they don't want him back. There are maybe three teams, and they're not trading you to an NFC team. So there might be three teams that are pushing for you in the offseason. And the Jets and the Raiders are the two lead teams. The other team, Tennessee. I think Tennessee will be interested in him. I don't know if they're going to have enough to make that move. I don't think they're going to trade a first-round draft pick. They also have to shed a lot more money, too, than the other two yeah, teams Yeah, with their defense. To, with their defense and a lot of the big contracts on their offensive line, too, that a lot of them have been hurt over the years. And they're going to have to make that work if they're going to get Aaron Rodgers in there, too. Because even though the cap hit this year is $15 million, the Titans are right now in the single digits in salary cap right now. And I think they just barely got over positive to $3 million. So they're going to have to shed probably at least two defensive players in order to do that, which the Broncos did that for Russell Wilson in that trade. But still, the Titans, their defense has been their staple for a while with Mike Rabel. Is that going to be necessarily worth it to swing for that rather than go after just drafting a quarterback or maybe trading for a quarterback that's a little cheaper than what Aaron Rodgers is? Because remember, the Titans don't have the great receivers either. So I don't know, again, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to want to go there long term too. So even in addition to getting that money, you're going to have to get money to get some receivers in the building. I think Traylon Burks could be a good receiver, but he was hurt a lot this year too. They don't have anything else besides that that has any kind of upside whatsoever. Robert Woods is old and their tight ends are all right, but nothing special. They need to get rip water. They need to get Rogers weapons there. Otherwise you're going to be dealing with what he dealt with in green Bay. And I, I see what everybody is doing because Aaron Rodgers at pebble, you know, the, the pro AM golf tournament. Uh, I know at pebble beach, he said the predominant team that we hear as we're walking is, is the Raiders. And that's what he said at pebble beach. He thinks it's going to be the Raiders, if any. And that's why DraftKings has him at a negative 390 to go to the uh, go to the Raiders. Uh, and then the Packers at number two, th- second. And then the Jets at three at 600. The only one, reason why that's the betting line right now is because Aaron Rodgers said that. We've heard Aaron Rodgers say a lot of things. Yep. A lot. And it never happened. Do you guys remember... At the end of the season, when they asked him, do you think Devontae Adams comes back? And he says, I'm almost like 90% sure Devontae Adams is coming back. There's no question I think he's coming back. And then a couple of weeks later, when when the when uh, free agency opened up, he goes and he signs with Derek Carr and the Raiders. Okay? And he, he was shocked beyond shocked. So am I shocked to see that Aaron Rodgers decides? And by the way, I understand what Aaron Rodgers said on the, you know, on the pack. I don't think it was on the, it was the Godleg show. Um, what, what um, I forget his name. Godleg. 
Uh, oh, not Doug Gottlieb. Yeah, one of the, one of the guys uh, in L.A. He was on one of their shows, and he said that uh, the Jets have a franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson. That the Jets don't need to look for a free agent quarterback to bring in. Hmm. I don't believe that. Okay. What I do know is uh, he he says that fans are amazing. A lot of people are yelling different team th- th- different teams. They want me to come to next year. It's been fun. Rogers said Saturday. Just going. This is at Pebble Pebble Beach. Just going to say the predominant team we hear as we're walking is the Raiders. A lot of Raider fans are encouraging me. A lot of Devontae Adam fans or Devontae. Adam calls are coming from Raider, you know, Raider town or Raider country. So obviously Devontae Adams is trying to pitch the Raiders. Devontae Adams should have never left the Green Bay Packers. He should have never. Rodgers would still be there another year if Devontae Adams signed that contract. I understand he wants to be close to his family. I understand he's from the California area. But to me... He should have stayed in Green Bay. That was where he was at his best. That was where he had the best quarterback in the NFL throwing him the ball and where his numbers were just thriving. Uh, it could go down as one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game. The Raiders, uh, Rodgers said on Tuesday at the, on the Pat McAfee show, he will embark on four-day, four-night darkness retreats soon after the Super Bowl on Sunday. Good for him. And I, I, I listen, I don't care what he does. I, I really don't what he does off the field. I just care that he shows up every single Sunday or every single Thursday or every single Saturday when the playoffs are around the quarter. He shows up and he, he gives them, gives that team his all. Who knows? If he, go, if he ends up getting traded to the Raiders, they might have extra high ayahuasca in Vegas. I don't really care what he smokes. He could smoke whatever he wants. He wants to smoke cheese. Smoke cheese. I, I don't care what he does. I, I, don't, I don't really care. I don't care if he likes to hallucinate about his grandparents. I don't care. All I care about is if he shows up every single Sunday and plays the game and plays at a high level. Aaron Rodgers mentions uh, in regards to the NFL being rigged thoughts mentioned last week by Arian Foster. Best referees leave for TV where the money is way better. I'm sorry. Where the money is is way better. Fox rules analyst Mike Pereira spoke about the comments from Rodgers during the Fox uh, or Fox Super Bowl media availability. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting Aaron Rodgers, you know, gives you that thought. But And Aaron Rodgers really didn't give you much information by saying that. Uh, in order to clear the room, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Raiders would have to let or let go of Derek Carr, obviously because of the contract, which they would only have four days after the Super Bowl to trade him. Otherwise, they would be forced to cut him. Um, they would be uh, $32.9 million uh, cap hit for the, the Raiders, uh, especially if they're forced to cut Carr after a four-day deadline. The Saints have been the only team, as of now, granted permission to talk to Derek Carr. Uh, Derek has a no trade clause. Michael Strahan says Aaron Rodgers can be Jets, uh, can be a Jet, missing piece, thriving to New York. Aaron Rodgers also said uh, about Tom Brady and JJ Watt's retirement affected his decision. Uh, the idea I wouldn't want to share the stage with Tom and JJ. I think it's 
ridiculous. That's already going to be an incredible Hall of Fame class. It's not even in the thought process right now. There's a, a decision. Don't that their decision don't impact my own decision. Uh, the quarterback added, "It doesn't make me want to come back, so I could have my own stage or whatever." That's just not how I think. So what Aaron is saying in, in what he was saying in those specific words um, is that he doesn't want to be in that same Hall of Fame class because he wants them to stand out um, as the players of their respectable positions. He, but that wasn't his thought process on why he wants to come back. He believes he could still play. He believes he could still go out there. And he can, he believes he could still put up the numbers that he had and what he has done over the last three or four years. And by the way, this year it wasn't his best year. He still put up pretty decent numbers. Mm-hmm. Last year he was the MVP of the league. The year before he was the MVP of the league. For anybody to think that he's washed up or he can't play anymore is ridiculous. Yeah, and you're looking at a case of the circumstances that everything that went on with the Packers with the rookie wide receivers. And Tanyan came along a little bit as a tight end, but he was hurt as well too. All the offensive linemen that were hurt this year. And honestly, Matt LaFleur is probably worst coaching job so far he's done this uh, this season and kind of has put him on the hot seat for, for next season if they can't, if they can't get Jordan Love going if they do end up trading Aaron Rodgers. And again, the choice will become of, does Aaron Rodgers want to go back with his buddy Devontae Adams or Nathaniel Hackett? Either way, he's going to get some kind of treatment where he's getting boosted back to that MVP level because Devontae Adams had his best season in 2020 and Nathaniel Hackett only got the Broncos head coaching job because of the striving of the MVP. The fact that Green Bay is even on this list is ridiculous. He's not going back yeah, to Green Bay. I don't think so. He's not point. going back to Green Bay. It's either the Raiders or the Jets. Right. And the Jets haven't even made their pitch to him because they can't even speak to him. they got to wait until the offseason. Then they can speak to Aaron Rodgers. So for every – and I know a lot of people are saying the Raiders, and, and you've heard. The, you haven't heard anything with the Jets. Have you heard anything that the Jets want to talk to Derek Carr? No, because Joe Douglas is going to sit on his hands until the season is over. The season is what? Four days away from being over? Yep. So I, I know a lot of Jet fans don't want to hear Jimmy Garoppolo's name or Lamar Jackson's name, even though there's a couple of them that would love to see Lamar Jackson go to the Jets. I don't. I don't want to give up two first-round draft picks, and I think Lamar Jackson is going back to Baltimore. That's where I think he's going. It seems inevitable he's definitely going to be franchise tagged. Yeah, I, I still think he's going back to Baltimore. They're going to give him whatever he wants. Uh, they'd be stupid not to. The only common three guys that are on that list is Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr. And I've heard Ryan Tannehill, but the Jets aren't stupid oh God, enough no. to do that. <laughs> I, I really don't think they're dumb enough to bring Ryan Tannehill in uh, to try to win and try to get into the playoffs. It doesn't make sense. Joe Douglas has his eye on Aaron Rodgers and then Derek Carr. You'll know as soon as the season is over, the four days, because if Derek Carr gets traded within the four days, the Jets don't have any chance. Yeah. I believe Derek Carr does not want to be traded. I think he wants to make his own decision. And they're going to have to cut him because if he doesn't waive that no-trade clause, he's just... And in his eyes, that's if I was a betting man, that's if I was Derek Carr right now, sitting here right now, I'm not sure I want to be a saint. But I, I'm also not sure where I see my career going, 
you know, it, with different organizations. I have to be pitched to those organizations and see how I fit with those organizations. So if I was Derek, I don't waive that no trade clause. <laughs> I won't. They want Aaron Rodgers. They got to cut me. They screwed me last year, as Josh McDaniels did. Practically didn't even have him dressed the last two games. So if I was Derek Carr, I'd say, you know what? You screwed me. I'm going to screw you. You're not getting anything. I'm not going to let the team that I might go to give up a pick for you. You screwed me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to free agency. You're going to cut me, and I'm going to interview for three or four opportunities out there, and then I'm going to decide where I fit with those teams and those organizations. And that's what I would do. And if I was the agent of Derek Carr, that's what I would say. I would say, Derek, listen, we are in the driver's seat. We have the no-trade clause. We were screwed last year with the last two games. We decided to do this and move on from this organization because this organization didn't treat us like um, the organization should as a franchise quarterback. So now we are going to sit on our hands and let them, let us decide on where we want to go. Not only that, you also look at a case where the Raiders, the way they treat him towards the end of his career, they've done that with a lot of their players Recently, they've, they've had to trade them early. Khalil Mack obviously got traded for, to the Bears. Amari Cooper, guys like that got traded. And just these players don't last because of the way the Raiders have just been so poorly run, too. So it wouldn't surprise me that even somebody as long as tenure of a Raider as Derek Carr has been going through all that adversity all the last, like, four years where everyone thought that John Gruden was going to trade him because John Gruden wanted allegedly his guy. He he stayed with him. He stayed loyal. And now with John Gruden's gone, he still stayed loyal with him to, to the end. But I, there, there has to be some kind of breaking point for a player that loyal to such a dysfunctional organization. I it's, do. it's Josh McDaniels. The the only reason, and I, I understand everybody wants to say that that organization was always dysfunctional, especially with the John Gruden thing. Yeah, Josh McDaniels, they were on their way up with John Gruden. They were they they were growing as as an organization. They didn't need to bring in Josh McDaniels. Now the NFL kind of screwed John Gruden with uh, obviously the whole Washington situation, and they they're an absolute debacle. and And John Gruden's going to make out on that because he's suing the NFL. He's going to make million. He's going to settle with the NFL. He doesn't. It just sucks because John Gruden might never coach again in college or the NFL no, because of what they did. Because of what he said, even though it should have been confidential. It should have never came out. But the NFL was trying to protect ownership with Washington. The NFL was trying to uh, protect, uh, obviously, what they have said in the past with the whole Washington thing. Because they were trying to hide it, too. And there's going to be more that comes out. Because it's now into a Supreme Court issue where maybe Dan Snyder might be as good as gone maybe in the next two months. And, and Roger Goodell might out. go, too. Roger Goodell would hopefully go, too. That would, that would be nice. He might go. Because yeah. if his yeah. name gets brought up into that conversation. Oh, yeah. And Snyder wants to throw him under the bus, which I believe he was a part of, by mm-hmm. the way. Yep. Um, he might be going as the uh, commissioner of football. This guy's making $45 million a year. That guy has nothing to worry about as far as his career or where he wants to go in, in his future because he doesn't have to make a dime again. And the guy's set. He's set. His kids, 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 kids are set for life. I just hope one of them doesn't become an NFL commissioner. And by the way, he has, uh, when he decides to part ways with the NFL, he has benefits that will last him and his kids and his wife a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Thought, players only get it for five years for whatever reason. <laughs> so Makes sense, stupid. right, guys? Makes so sense. So stupid. 
thank you to Roger Goodell for being such a an ass when it comes to just so egotistic. <laughs> no, he just doesn't care. I know he only cares about himself. He doesn't care, and the NFL don't care. The owners don't care. It's not just Roger Goodell. Oh yeah, well yeah, it's the right. owners. Oh yeah, but Roger Goodell answers to the owners, and and the owners don't want to help their players when they're done. And I, I listen. We've we've interviewed a lot of ex NFL players, and they all say, "Hey, we make a lot of money." But after our careers, when our body is aching, we have head trauma knee problems, we got to go into our own pockets. Our wives have to get jobs and have benefits because we can't afford to pay for the benefits because we were ex-NFL players and we have millions and millions of dollars. Right. And I think besides Christian Okoye, I think everyone else was like really harsh on Roger Goodell. We asked him that question, asked them that question too about these benefits. And it just, it's, it's so sad that a, a, such a violent contact sport like football, they don't, their players only get benefits for five more years after that is ridiculous, especially for guys that don't make the big contracts in their career. Good luck trying to just get those kinds of benefits down the road. And you see why you have all these players having these CTE issues. Mm-hmm. The New York Islanders uh, finally get their guy. They make a trade. Uh, they get Bo Horvat for, obviously, the, 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 the number one first-round draft pick of this year. It is protected. Uh, if the Islanders fall in, fall in the top 12, they won't. Uh, so they're going to get, obviously, Vancouver will get the number one pick for the New York Islanders this year. They get, obviously, Bavillier. Uh, a good young player, a 25-year-old kid from the New York Islanders organization, and obviously their young superstar. So I, I, I understand, and we don't know if he's a superstar, but he's a good player. Auntie Ronti is a really good young player. We don't know what he's going to be. A lot of experts believe he, he could be a guy that's going to give you 80 to 90 points uh, a season. That's the type of player that they think he could be, maybe a 100-point guy. The Islanders had Bo Horvat. The captain and the Vancouver Canucks have not been the same team since Bo Horvat has, has been traded. The, the, the first two games uh, since the All-Star break, they have not played good hockey. And right now, they're losing against the New York Rangers 3-1 to in the second period. The beeve, the good luck charm? Who would have thought? I don't know about that. Know. Maybe the girl he's with. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that. I was going to say, you, you might not need a lot of luck to beat the Canucks. <laughs> Bo Horvat uh, signs an eight-year deal worth about $8.5 million, uh, $68 million uh, you know, in the eight-year span. Uh, annual average, like I said, 8.5. Horvat's 8.5 average annual valued is tied for 39th in terms of the average annual value in the entire NHL. The NHL overall salary cap is expected to go uh, at least $4 million from this season, which – it is currently at $82.5 million per team. Lou Lamorello said uh, about the contract, all I can tell you, it's, it's too long and it's too much money. Lamorello said with a smile. Now, I, I will say this. I don't know if Lou was playing. This guy's 80 years old. I mean, I don't know if he was, you know, making a joke out of it. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know Lou Lamorello personally. I've met him twice at the draft. Seemed like a nice guy. Uh, Seems stupid sometimes because he's traded a first-round draft pick every single year to add a player uh, to this organization over the last three years. Uh, They did work out uh, for that particular year, and then those guys fall apart. Paul Murray got an extension after uh, after Lou made a trade about a year and a half ago. 
He brings him in. He signs a what? A four and a half, five, five million, and a half million. Yeah, five and a half million dollar contract with. And Palmieri has been crap. Now uh, we'll see. He's still under contract. He's a Long Island native. I from. Uh, I think he's from Smithtown or Comac, wherever he's from. I mean, J.P. Pajot, he's a, he's a good player. He's one of the better face-off players in the NHL. But uh, ever since he was traded to the Islanders from Ottawa, has, is he worth the contract the Islanders gave him? I think the Islanders gave him $58 million. Mm-hmm. Another one, I think that's over five year, $5 million a year, so... Bo Horvat made sixty-eight million out of eight. I think that was a steal. Yeah, I was. I was thinking he was going to get closer to ten. For all those people out there taking shots at Lou Lamorello that he made a bad deal and, and he was overpaid. Bo Horvat was over overpaid. Overplay, paid. I'm sorry. They're out of their minds. This guy was the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. He uh, he now has thirty-two goals. By the end of the season, he's probably going to have his first 40-goal season, maybe even more than that. He might have close to 50 goals if he goes, it gets hot. There's still a lot of hockey left. He's, since he has, you know, he's played for the Islanders since the All-Star break. He's played two games. They beat the Krakens the other day. They, they beat him 4 to nothing. Obviously, Sorokin was standing on his head. But who scored the fourth goal of that game? Bo Horvat. If you look at what Barzell has done since Bo Horvat has been added to his line with Bailey, which I don't know why Bailey's on the first line, but that's just me. Uh, but they're both playing well, so I'm not going to complain. Bo Horvat, Barzell has scored a point in every one of those games. Every one of those games. He scored a goal in the first game against Philadelphia. And he scored, and Bo Horvat scored one of the four goals of the second game. If Bo Horvat is the boost that the Islanders needed to get into the playoffs this year and make a run, then so be it. $8.5 million for a, a star player. He's not a superstar player. For a star player, is definitely well worth it. The Islanders made a move for their player, John Tavares, and he decided to part ways for less money to go to Toronto. And look where they've gone yeah. since he's gone there. And he has a leg injury now, too, which hasn't helped him this season. Bo Horvat is 27 years old. He's still in the prime of his career, has a lot of hockey left, and he is going to retire as a New York Islander. And that's just the way it is. And now he has a chance to play with Barzell for the next seven years. A young player that needed a player to play with this good. And, and by the way, Barzell will not play center anymore. And he is a better wingman. He's a better winger. You will see him score more goals as a winger. I bet you... Not this year because it, it, he started off slow. Next year, he'll it, that Barzell will have the most goals he's ever had as a, a as a, a professional hockey player. And who says his passing won't d- diminish either, assist wise too? Because you look at wingers like guys like Artemi Panarin that still get a lot of assists, even though they are wingers. Sometimes teams are structured differently. Barzell's speed and skill, his passing ability is still insane, and it's not going to go away just because he's not a center anymore either. He's just again, Bo Horvat, just such a good faceoff guy. You can't put him anywhere else. Barzell's still going to be able to strive in the middle of the ice too. Horvat has a full no-trade clause within the first four years of the contract and then will convert to a 16-team no-trade clause within the four years of the contract, which 
benefits him. So there will be 16 teams that he will give the Islanders that he would be valued to be wanting to trade, be traded to. And then the Islanders have to make their decision if they want to trade him. So uh, depending on how much the overall salary cap per team raises, the Islanders are expected to have between 11 and $14 million of cap space in the offseason after this extension, which is a lot of money, guys. Mm-hmm. $14 million could bring in another star. Could bring in another good player to play with, uh, you know, Horvat and Barzell, and they're, they're they have to obviously most of those guys are under contract on the Islanders, practically all of it. Brock Nelson still has two years left on his contract. JP Pajot is still under contract. Palmieri has the contract. All the defensemen except Mayfield and Aho are the only ones that need contracts. They're probably going to lose Mayfield unless they can sign Mayfield to a three-year, I mean, a $3 million, $4 million contract. Maybe they trade him at the trade deadline and get something back for him. The Islanders still have the money, and Horvath scored his first goal with uh, the uh, the 4-0 win over the Seattle Krakens, who, by the way, is one of the better teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, they lead their division right now, 63 points. I mean, they didn't just beat them. They pulverized them. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they needed this this trade. Maybe they they needed that all-star break to get this team figuring out how to play the game again. Lambert is, is a rookie coach. We know all about the Barry Trotz thing, and everybody has been saying that, Barry, that Lou Lamorello, he's conceited. His head's bigger than, you know... Is wrath or whatever the heck they they say, and over here on Long Island, a lot of Islander fans think that he the game has passed him by. I don't know. What I do know is Lou has been here for what four years. Mm-hmm. He's been GM of the year two years in a row. This team has you know besides obviously last year, this team made the playoffs every single year, and won a playoff series every single year. They've been to. Back-to-back Eastern Conference championships. They were a goal away from going to the Stanley Cup and probably winning the Stanley Cup against Montreal. Oh, yeah, the biggest fluke of all time, Montreal. Yeah, they definitely win. I I mean, they were so close. So for Islander fans to sit here and say this is a bad move or he was reaching, I don't know what he's reaching. At eight and a half million? Eight and a half million, he didn't trade anything. He traded one guy on the roster in Bavillier. That's it. And Pavilia could have a great career over there in Vancouver. Maybe he just needed to be on another another team. Maybe he just needed another different scenery to play. I don't know. What I do know is Bo Horvat is better than Pavilia. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Auntie Ronti is. We don't. And as far as the first round draft pick, until we see who who gets drafted at the Islanders' pick and what he turns out to be, for anybody to think that Bo Horvat wasn't the best the best player in that deal, well, then you don't know hockey. Not only that, the Island, uh, the the Canucks could have gotten probably another player out of the deal, too, with the year Horvat was having, too. And with the trade deadline still with a couple of weeks left, I'm surprised they wouldn't try to do their due diligence in trying to get more back. Now, Rotti's a top prospect for sure, so they're going to probably get something good out of him. But how much more upside does Beauvillier have? He's had two kind of down regular seasons in a row after he did well in the 2019 season, but still great playoff player. 
is he consistent enough if, again, Vancouver has to get there, too. They have to get that foundation going in. Who says that Bo Horvat's the only one they're trading at this point, too, with all the coaching changes that they've had, the organizational dysfunction, all the fans really taking shots at that front office, that GM that really has not not gotten these young players in the right direction. They had the one playoff appearance in the Hub City where they went all the way to the semifi- conference semifinals. They took a good Vegas team of seven games. Bo Horvat was a big reason for that. And since then, they've been kind of a disappointment where they've had big expectations and falter. So who knows? And I, if players get more disgruntled with that, there might be more guys on the way out too, not just Bo Horvat. Yeah. Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, a lot of those guys too. Maybe Quinn Hughes, who knows? Tomorrow we're going to get into a lot of the Super Bowl preview. We are. We're, we're going to go in the ins and the outs. It, it, there's a lot of Super Bowl information that we can give. And, and, and Arian Foster, I, I, I'm going to go back to what he said. I have said this for a long time. A long time. I don't know if the league as a whole, all year round, is planned. I don't know. I, I, I doubt that. I, I'm very much against the thought that Arian Foster believes that, too. I think he just was trying to, you know, he's trying to sell his podcast. That's what he's trying to do. And I think that, you know, I had everybody speaking and everybody talking. But I do believe the Super Bowl could be rigged. And I am going to watch every piece of everything that happens in that Super Bowl game. Everybody expects... The talent, the more talented team, a.k.a. the Eagles, are going to have the advantage in this game. The Eagles have the better defense. The, the Eagles have the better all-around offensive line. The Eagles have the better offensive players. The only thing the Eagles don't have that's better than Kansas City is the quarterback. And that's not by much, by the way. Because Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. But Patrick Mahomes is the best right now, as far as everybody's concerned. And he is the face of football, as far as everybody's concerned. Tom Brady is gone now. Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. Probably has another year. Right now, or two. Right now, you're trying to find the next batch of quarterbacks that stand out to be the faces, uh, 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 the face or faces of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes is number one on everybody's list. So going into the Super Bowl, you want Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You want him there. Every year you want him there. Just like we want LeBron James every year for, for all those years being that he was the best basketball player in the NBA. You wanted to see LeBron James in the finals because you wanted to see LeBron James lose because he's the best player. Just like in when Michael Jordan played, you wanted to see Michael Jordan in the finals every year because you wanted to see him lose, which he never did. All the LeBron haters want to use that for their argument. Oh, LeBron's not as good as Kobe because he lost six times in the finals. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, all the hated players <laughs> at their respectable positions, you want to see them lose in the finals. The Golden State Warriors. Right. Steph Curry. There's a lot of people that love him, and there's people like me that can't stand the guy. So I want to see him lose every year. I want to see, I want to see Golden State make it every year and lose. Because I can't stand that team. You want to see Draymond Green kick somebody again and get suspended. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I, I'm going to honestly tell you. I like Andy Reid. I can't stand the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't stand them. I don't like them. I don't like anything about them. I don't like their jerseys. I don't like their colors. Their, their uh, logo, KC, it reminds me of 
Kyle Carroll, okay, that was on our network. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because he was, that was a, a blast from the past. Yeah, he's a big Kansas City Chiefs fan because of the KC, and his name was Kyle Carroll. Okay, uh, everybody knows how I feel about him. The only, the only positive thing about him is because he's a Chiefs fan, I got him to jump on my Chargers hater bandwagon. <laughs> and, and we're going to see this a lot. This isn't the last time we're going to see Kansas City in the Super Bowl. As long as Patrick Mahomes, as long as Andy Reid is there, and Andy Reid doesn't plan to retire anytime soon, they're going to be there every year, even in the hard AFC. Mm-hmm. I, I thought Kansas City was going to take steps back this year. A lot of people did, yeah. They took steps forward. And yes, Patrick Mahomes has a lot to do with it. But also, uh, Andy Reid knows how to draft. He finds players in a draft. Uh, always finds a running back in the later part of the draft that turns into be a big part of the offense. And and really, the defense has stepped up this year. They really did. The front seven was fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. Jones was one of the best defensive linemen in football. I sit here today, a lot of people, and I know, I don't know if everybody who listens to sports radio or the, but I, I, me personally, being that I'm a sports radio show host now and been for the last couple of years, really for the last nine years, but uh, dedicated to sports media. I don't really listen to sports radio anymore as much as I used to. But what I do listen to, a lot of people aren't really talking about the Super Bowl like usually they do. The Super Bowl is is on everybody's mind at this time of year. But you have Kyrie Irving, you have the the NBA uh the trade deadline, you have the NHL with the All-Star game and then you have the Islanders and all these teams making trades before the trade. I mean, obviously before the All-Star game. You have all this stuff going on. So when you try to define what's going on, and this time of year, you, you think everything slows down. It, it really centers to the Super Bowl. And then after this, after February, you have March Madness. You have uh, golf, the Masters, and all that the stuff that goes on from that, and NASCAR, the Daytona 500, and all that other stuff. Then they have baseball that starts, pitchers and catchers, which is 10 days away or whatever, a week away. You speak about the, this is a great Super Bowl. You have the Eagles, who are by far the best team in the at the NFL. It's not even an argument. With Jalen Hurts in that lineup, this is the best overall team in the NFL. I don't want to hear from anybody. Anybody. Kansas City was the number one seed in the AFC. The Eagles were the number one seed in the NFC. Eagles are better than Kansas City. But going into this game, there's a lot of questions and, and that need to be answered. Andy Reid going back and playing against his former team. The Eagles, who a couple of years ago shocked the world and knocked off the New England Patriots with a second-string quarterback in Nick Foles. After their star quarterback, Carlson Wentz, tears his ACL on an MVP season. Wins the Super Bowl. Falls is the MVP. And they're doing stupid, the fans are doing stupid, crazy stuff on the streets after they win the Super Bowl. And and that's even more talked about. (laughs) 
more than the Super Bowl win. Oh, yeah, that's Philadelphia fans for you. They don't win a championship very often, so every four, uh, every ten years any, they win but it. Any fan that picks up, uh, <laughs> you know, dog poop, I mean, or a horse poop and, and eats it is is out of their damn minds, okay? I mean, they're, they're crazy. Climbing up, you know, poles and Yeah, they grease the poles again. <laughs> flipping cars and... Climbing, you know, climbing 50, 50 story buildings. Yeah, I think they, they one, one of the like two different hotels. They had to like repair the awning off of it because they jumped down and broke them. <laughs> like that's I how mean, crazy they are. They're ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I don't know what they're going to do if they win the Super Bowl this oh, year. Oh God, I don't know. They want to know. <laughs> yeah, the the Philadelphia fans uh, they don't win very often. So when they do have they do win, they have their championships this is, prepared. This is a better Philadelphia Eagle team than they were when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years. Yeah, ago. more well rounded. Yeah, the really only significant flaw defensively uh, on their team has been their like a coverage linebacker and like a bigger run stopping linebacker and their their strong safety spot because Chauncey Gardner Johnson's done very well as a free safety. That's really it for their roster on their on their defense. Their offense is pretty complete. They have three uh, two good running backs. You got a quarterback that can run and an offensive line that's the best in the league so far this year. The Chiefs probably only like you said the only talent advantage is definitively are quarterback. And maybe the edge rusher by a little bit, but not by much. And then linebacker, the Chiefs have the advantage more with the coaching. I don't think they have the edge advantage. I don't. I, I don't think. Uh, Hassan Reddick has played fantastic. Okay. I, I, I mean, how many players could say they've outplayed Reddick in the playoffs? I mean, Jones had two sacks uh, last week. I mean, two weeks ago. He had two sacks in that game. That was the first time in his career he had a sack in the playoffs. And he had two of them. I mean, Reddick's been unbelievable. I mean, Adamic and Sue, they brought him in, and he started in this game. He played a lot. And they're going to do it again against Kansas City. They're going to out, really, they're going to out-muscle. They're going to try to out-muscle that offensive line of Kansas City. Yeah, they're five deep on the interior. Their interior is the loaded, the best in the league by by far. When you go to Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Dominic Sue, Linval Joseph, and Jeff's boy Jordan Davis, you don't get better than that. And that's going to be a tough test for guys like Creed Humphrey and and Trey Smith that are both very talented interior offensive linemen. But this is nothing like they've ever faced before, especially with the like you're saying, if the Dominic Sue get back to his prime form, he showed he a little did. bit of that with he the did. Rams too and the Buccaneers. He looked really good. Really, really good against the 49ers. And that, that's a good offensive line. Yeah. He was throwing people around. He was throwing people around. Adamic and Sue could still play in this league. He could still play. And he went, he decided to go to the Eagles in the middle of the season because he knew he had a chance to win a Super Bowl. He did. Now, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this game. I don't. There's a lot of questions. Like I said, Andy Reid against his former team. The Andy Reid ball. Right. You have the Kelsey brothers. I mean, two guys that love each other more than anything in the world. They root each other on when they're in the Super Bowl. They they back each other up. They do a podcast together. They were doing a podcast the last two weeks before the Super Bowl. They're two very, very funny guys. I mean, Travis likes to dress up and look like a lunatic and do stupid things. Kel, uh, obviously, uh, Jason. Jason Kelsey, What's like? he likes to dance and do his stupid things, but his parade suit was great, though. <laughs> I mean, they're they're two very funny guys, and uh, their parents are probably loving it. These two guys are Hall of Famers. Jason and Travis are going to be Hall of Famers. Yeah. I believe Travis Kelsey is the best tight end 
we've ever seen, I've ever seen. He is the best overall tight end, and he still has another two, three good years left. Mm-hmm. He could stay healthy. He could definitely still get some 1,000-yard seasons in him, too. Because I mean, he, he could break records uh-huh. by the time he's done. It was unheard of for a lot of tight ends to even get 1,000-yard seasons as a whole. Better, more or less, the amount Travis Kelsey's done in his career. And how many centers get into the Hall of Fame? How many centers have been you know, inducted into the, the, the NFL uh, think, Hall like, of Fame? 15 or 16. I don't even think that much. Because there are a lot of, a lot of, most of them are old school, but you're right. There's not a lot to get in the modern era. I think Jeff Saturday obviously got in, and uh, Matt Burke, I think, got in, but that was it. And Mawai. And Mawai, yeah. Mawai got right. in a couple okay. of years ago right. as well. Those are like the only three I can think of from like the 21st century. I think the only one, the, the most recent one before that was Dermonte Dawson, who was a, a 2000, early Jason 2000s. Kelsey, Jason Kelsey has been the best center in the league for the last five years. He, he's, and he's longevity. He's won a Super Bowl. He has a chance to win a second Super Bowl. Travis has a chance to win a second Super Bowl. Both brothers are on the top of the world, in the top of the food chain at their positions. So you you have so many things. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, who was making his first debut in a Super Bowl, who's made his first playoff run, the first time he's made a playoff run in his career, and he's all the way in the Super Bowl. And then Patrick Mahomes, that's been there quite a few times. Mm-hmm. And has lost a couple of them. Every year in the AFC Championship game, at least, that he's been in his career all five years. And he's looking for his second Super Bowl. And everybody wants to compare Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady. Is he the next Tom Brady? Is he going to win Going to win five Super Bowls or six Super Bowls or come close to Tom Brady's seven Super Bowls? Who knows? What I do know is the NFL wants to build their brand through Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes uh, is on every single commercial, every single commercial. You, you State Farm, uh, Subway, anything that head and shoulders, you, he's head and shoulders. Yep. I mean, the guy's on every single commercial. He just got a five hundred million dollar contract by Kansas City. I mean, he's, what, 26 years old, 25 years old. He's got a lot of football left. This guy is, if there's anybody that can come close to Tom Brady's records, it could be him. But he's going to have to have the longevity. And Tom Brady, his conditioning, he's, he's a different body structure than a guy like Patrick Mahomes who likes to use his strength of his arm. Tom Brady was smart and accurate and understand how to play call at an audible at the line of scrimmage. I also think a lot of the what could have to do with him getting there to that level is how long Andy Reid remains coaching, too. Because if Andy Reid retires in the next maybe three, five years, then if they do, will they be able to do it with another coach, too, to get to that level? Because Tom Brady always had Bill Belichick throughout his career, too. So if he had a coaching change earlier, later in his career, like maybe potentially if Reid does retire, Tom Brady never had to deal with that. So Mahomes, that'll be another test of adversity for him if that's the case. I think when you look at the, the big picture – Right now, going into the Super Bowl, I know it, it's 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 a good game because you have the two best teams in their respectable conferences, and you expect it to be a, a good game. The reason why you would think that the Eagles have the advantage is, one, Patrick Mahomes isn't 100%. He has a high ankle sprain. He did not look good in the AFC title game. He did not. And obviously... With the Eagles and what their strengths are on the defensive line and getting at the quarterback is what they do best. And with their secondary as good as it is with Darius Slay and Johnson and their defense and what they have done, 
the last couple of weeks, not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season, I expect this to be a blowout by the Eagles. But with the NFL and what the NFL likes, and they they want to make sure that the Super Bowl is close, fun to watch. Both teams are a high-powered offense. Both teams are supposedly good defensively. I don't like Kansas City secondary in this game. They're very mismatched against A.J. Brown. What is Carl saying over here? If both teams are even, doesn't coaching coming into play? If so, the advantage is with the Chiefs with Reed and Spagnuolo. That I agree with, yes. The, the Chiefs have probably the best collective coaching staff of any team in the league. Coaches and coordinators. And the way the Chiefs secondary played against the Bengals is definitely encouraging. But they still got to do it again. I don't think the teams are close. The only thing they're close on is really certain position. Like Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback. By not by much, the defenses the Eagles are better, front seven and secondary much better. Okay, it's not even an argument. Their their offensive line. The Eagles had the best offensive line in football in every single statistic, and they're healthy with Johnson and obviously Jason Kelsey is one hundred percent going into this game. This offensive line is going to be able to protect their star quarterback. Running games, as good as Kansas City looked in the playoffs, it's some of the young backs that they have. They're not better than the Eagles' three-headed monster. They're not. They're just not. And the obviously, this special teams, uh, you can argue both teams are pretty good at special teams. It, it's not – I mean, it could play a big part in this game. We've seen it in the Super Bowl, but it, it's really defense to offense. And <laughs> as far as weapons are concerned – on the wide receiving position. I mean, A.J. Brown's better than any wide receiver. Any wide receiver they have. Now, is is Kelsey much better than Goddard? Yes, he is. Yeah. 100%. But Goddard's a good player. Yeah, he's still a top 10 tight end. He could still catch. He could still do the things that the Eagles need him to do. And Block being another one that he's pretty good at. So, the Eagles have the advantage in almost every kind of way in this game. I really do believe that. But the NFL, they want to build their brand through Patrick Mahomes. And that's why I think this game will be close. I think the referees are going to try to make this close and keep this close. I don't care what anybody says. Do you want to argue that, I, I, that I'm out of my mind thinking that the game is rigged? That's fine. Watch the game. I also do a referee litmus test. How about this? I'm going to call what's going to happen in this game. You ready to hear this? Oh, boy. The Eagles will be leading going into the fourth quarter. They will have the lead, either a seven-point lead or a six-point lead because of two field goals. I believe that. And I could see Kansas City making their runs in the fourth quarter and playing, you know, getting the calls and Patrick Mahomes scores. And and this game is going to be like a – A 27-24 win by Kansas City or a 32-27 win by Kansas City. I'm not telling you who I think is going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas City wins this game because the NFL wants it. No, Snuggie will not be 28-3 at the end of the third quarter. It's not the the Chiefs two years ago where they had no offensive line. (laughs) This game is, is going to be what the refs want it to be. This game is going to be whatever the NFL wants it to be. 
It'll be close because the referees will keep it close. You'll see a lot of penalties in this game. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. You're going to see a lot of penalties. They're going to call a bunch of them, especially early in the game. As a matter of fact, if there's a bet on DraftKings or anything on how many penalties are going to be called in the first half, I predict all around there'll be 12 in the first half. 10 to 12. That's what I predict. There'll be over 17, 18, because it'll, it'll slow down in the second half because, you know, if, if it really screws up the game, Roger Goodell's going to call down to the referees and say, quit it. Right. But this game is going to be held into two different favors. It's going to be held in the quarterback favors on which quarterback is going to show up in this game and not make the mistakes that's going to cost his team. And the other favor is what defense is going to make a play in this game, pick six-wise, or put up points in this game early that's going to help this team thrive and move forward uh, going into the second half of this game. What is Carl saying? Prop bet on how many times Romo interrupts the dance. <laughs> yes, Carl, we know. Is he... Romo calling the game? No, it's it's Fox. It's yeah, Fox, it's Fox, Carl. But yes, Carl, we know he's a, he's not a very good playoff performer. Is Tom Brady calling this game? No, Tom Brady's not going to Fox until the 2024 season. Okay, because that he's would taking be cool. a year off completely, and then he's going to go to broadcasting the next year. So he's not going to broadcast next year? Next year, no. He's starting in the 2024 season. Well, that sucks. So no Tom Brady next year. I know his son is playing football, high school football, and I heard he's pretty good, too. Mm. That's what I heard, and I think he wants to spend some time with his kids. Uh, he just moved to Miami, just bought you know, an $80 million land or something like that in Miami. That's why everybody thought he was going to Miami. And, and why they tried to tamper for him last year. I don't know, but... It's definitely going to be interesting moving forward uh, the way the NFL is going to prop this this game uh, going into the weekend. Because so far, I've watched the NFL Network and even watching all the different channels here in New York. ESPN, the, this, the top stories on ESPN right now has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. Yeah, thank you, Kyrie Isn't that crazy? Irving. <laughs> Thanks, Kyrie Irving. It's not even Kyrie Irving. It's well, the, not now, but it's... I mean, the, the NBA trade deadline. The lead, up, the lead up to it. Yeah, the NBA trade deadline. Uh, you, you have, obviously, uh, you know, all the different things with Derek Carr and Aaron... I, as a matter of fact, I think more people are talking about Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr than the Super Bowl. Or where are they going? What is he saying over here? At least we don't have it. Your Buck and Troy Aikman. Yeah, oh, I guess true. that's a good sign. That's true. Yes, I, 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 so who's doing the play-by-play? It's Ke- it's it's Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson. Really, I like Greg Olson. Yeah, I like him a lot. I and next year he'll be a part of Fox again. Which thank God because I I don't know what Tom Brady is. I don't know what Tom Brady's going to be as a broadcaster. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he reacts to it. And maybe you know in two years I'll be working for the same organization. So I'll get a chance to. To get to know Tom Brady. I don't know. <laughs> Carl says Aikman just states the obvious and has, it takes an attorney to it. Yes, that and he's also very biased to the Cowboys. Snuggle also asks, what is the average number of, of penalties called in an NFL game? This season it was 11.11. I predict there will be over 15 penalty calls okay. in this game. They will be, and and I, will th- I believe that between 10 and 12 will happen in the first two quarters. And then it will slow down in the second half because the NFL is not, or if they want 
Kansas City to be close, they'll they'll make sure they call a penalty here, a penalty there against the Eagles to keep it close. So I, I just don't trust the NFL to make this a fair game. I just hope Dominic Sue doesn't stomp on a quarterback. I, he hasn't done any of that stupid stuff. I know. Him. It's like six years, but still. You want, want that kind of thing. It's not him. Aaron Rodgers he's playing against. That's, 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 that's also true. I mean, I mean, have you heard Patrick Mahomes talk on the field or yell at somebody on the field? I, I, as a matter of fact, me and Josh were speaking about it today. And how many times have you seen Patrick Mahomes complain about a, play, a call by a referee? Mm-hmm. You don't really see that. No. I mean, you see that with Tom Brady. You see that with Aaron Rodgers. You've seen that, uh, obviously, over the years with Peyton Manning. You don't see that. I mean, you never saw that with Eli. Eli never complained. Never. He And I think Patrick Mahomes, he'd rather just go out there and show his skills and prove his skills are superior than everybody right. else's. The receivers complain more nowadays than the quarterbacks, though. With but, I mean, calls. they don't have receivers on that team that complain. No, not the Chiefs. I'm just saying, just star receivers in general. I think complain a lot more than uh, than the uh, the quarterbacks. This too. is this is Jalen Hurts' coming out party. This is his coming out party. Because if you're an Eagles fan, and all you Eagles fans that took shots at this guy, saying that you had two first round draft picks and you're going to move on from Jalen Hurts, I'm sure there are 30 teams right now that'll line up and bring in Jalen Hurts. Right. 30 teams. Yep. I, I know one team here in New York that's looking for a quarterback. They would they would be licking their lips if he becomes available. Every team would be besides probably the Bengals, Chiefs, and the Bills. That's really it. And everybody that took shots, including yours truly, at the Eagles when they drafted him in the second round when they had, right. Jalen, when they had the Carlson Wentz there, shame on you, including me. I'm going to say shame on me because I never would have thought that Jalen Hurts was going to turn out the player that he is. It is hard work. And dedication uh, and understanding the game and the speed of the game after leaving Oklahoma the way he has. He has been fun to watch. He really has been. Uh, Carl, to answer your question, no, Robert Quinn really hasn't done much with the Eagles since getting traded over there. He's really just a rotational speed rusher for them. And since, like Errol was saying, Hassan Reddick really has emerged right towards the end of the season as also not only just a linebacker, but also could play off the edge, too. He really hasn't played much. And you would thought he would have because Derek Mar- Barnett was hurt. But Reddick's Rick- going to play a big part in this game. I'm telling you right He's now. He's going to have to because they have to decoy that offensive line somehow with his versatility. He is going to play a big part in this game. Trust me, he is. And they're going to use him on the outside, the inside. They're going to brush him all over the field. They can move him to the linebacker to stop the run. And you know what Kansas City is going to try to do early is try to run the ball. They're going to try to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands uh, because he does like to hold on to the ball a little longer than usual uh, over the last couple of weeks. We've seen it. Right. And that's why he got hurt. So Hurts is humble. The ver- what is he saying over here? Hurts is humble. That virtue comes al- goes a long way in terms of learning and improving. Yes, he actually is one of the most coachable guys in the league. So a lot of coaches he is. have said that. And I and I don't. Again, if you're going to choose who has the better coaches, it's it's Kansas City. They 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 have a rookie coach. The Eagles do, and uh, a defensive coordinator that has been successful in the league as uh, you know a defensive mind, but. A guy that really doesn't have the experience in the Super Bowl. Right. Okay. So uh, this is a a team that is going in that still has good. The Eagles are very well coached. They really are. And right. I love 
I love Sirianni. I think he's a great coach. I, I love his personality. He's dancing on the sidelines with his players. I, I mean, fist pumping. I mean, you want to see that from your coach, like the Robert Salas, the, the Sirianni's. Uh, I, I mean, even Dable. You watch these coaches. You want oh, to see firing. that. Yeah. You want to see that. But the the fantastic part of the Super Bowl and what you look forward going into the Super Bowl is the uh, the camaraderie of the teams and the leadership of some of the players that you see on the field. Carl also says, look at how he handled himself at Bama with Tua, then fit it in at Oklahoma, then to build off a rough first half of a rookie season. Yeah, like, like Errol and I were saying, too. I, a lot of people were not thinking he was going to go in the second round because of that. I thought it was more of a Carson Wentz insurance policy just because Wentz was always hurt. I thought it was. Better. And I then believe I was it thinking, was. I was thinking Doug Peterson was going to use him as a Wildcat quarterback a lot of the time. Because... I thought they were going to trade him. I thought they were going to build him up, okay. show that he could play, and then they were going to trade him and try to get something back. Maybe if they got lucky, he shows a little more than they expect. And, and being that he's a second-round draft pick, he could get an early second-round or late first-round draft pick in the future. But right. – um, he proved that he he figured things out. He's one of the stronger quarterbacks in the league. He squats six hundred. I say this all the time. Uh, he's he's built like an ox, and he not only is he strong when it comes to running, he can throw the ball just as good as anybody. He really does. He's got a great arm, and it's accurate. It, it's it, if there's anybody that developed this skill and he's grown as a as a quarterback in the last two years, it's Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. It's Jalen Hurts. And for all the people that took shots at him, and I know the Eagle fans did not like him. They did not like him. They did not want him. As a matter of fact, they were trying to compare to figure out who they were going to get with their pick this year from the Saints. Okay, mm-hmm. And there's also rumors before he had the issues that they were going to trade for Deshaun Watson, too, at the beginning of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're wrong. I like Deshaun Watson, but... Right now, Jalen Hurts is, to me, a top-five quarterback in the league. Uh, he is only going to get better. This team is only going to get better. I mean, with the picks that they have next year, the draft uh, the draft that they have, and the draft stock that they have, and free agency and the money that they have where they can go out and spend money because they have a lot of young players on this team. Yep. Even their older players, they, they came on very good contracts. Right, and they have so much depth that they have a lot of freedom to – Either let them go or they'll come back cheap just to stay as an Eagle. They can win back-to-back-to-back championships with this team. If they win this year, they can win next year. And they can win the year next year because the ne- the uh, win the year, year after that. Now, I don't know how long Jason Kelsey is going to play. I, I, I think he'll play another year. I, I think after next year, I think he'll be done. Yeah. I mean, he's got a there lot of— There was rumors of him retiring at the, at the end of last year, too. So I mean, his body's beat yeah. up, beaten up. And uh, he's been a fantastic player and a Hall of Fame player. So it's yes, and uh, Sirianni, uh, Sirianni has swagger. He does. He's shown that he has swagger, snug, and and I, I like that about him. You want to see that from your coach again. I'm going to say that, and and the team really strives to be their coach's personality. They all have swagger. Jalen Hurts is not a guy that you see him walking on the field and bragging and doing the things. Jalen Hurts is a quiet guy. I, yeah. That's what I love about Jalen Hurts. You don't see him when he gets off the field. You don't see him walking to his players and 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 doing the things that Patrick Mahomes does on the sidelines. Right. Patrick Mahomes, he's he's pumping up and he's getting the crowd wounded up. Jalen Hurts don't do that. What Jalen Hurts does is after he wins, he sings that dumb Eagles song. Okay, 
That yes. is a horrible song. That, yes, and uh, Fred Smoot, when we had him on the show. That is brought, a horrible <laughs> Eagles song, by I, the way. I, I, like Fred's, I hate it. I like Fred Smoot's version of it when we had him on the show. Cry, Eagles, cry when they lose. I, don't, I do not like that Eagles track. But, again, <laughs> I like the Eagles, and uh, I, I'm rooting for the Eagles. Do I think the Eagles are going to win this game? You have to listen to the show tomorrow, and I, I will go on the ins and the outs on why. I think they could win, or why I think they could lose. <laughs> Carl says nobody has more swagger than Matt Eberflus. Ha ha ha. Well, they haven't had any much to be swag with because the Bears have the number one pick. Eberpoo? That's what I call it. I'm not going to call it his fault right now. <laughs> they have a really bad roster. Well, I, I, I used to like Eberflus. I, I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I think he was good with the Colts. Look at the bad. Very the good with the Colts. Look how Colts. bad the. The Colts' defense was this year without him, especially against the against the uh, against the run this year too. Uh, the, their pass defense got better towards the end of the and season. And Eberflus still, yeah. started off really strong with the Bears this year. They they were winning. Mm-hmm. I think I think he did as good of a head coaching job as you could do, considering they traded everybody away and barely any talent on that team. Mm. I, I'm interested to see um, what the Chicago Bears do at that number one pick. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting. If they even keep it, because it looks they're like they're not keeping it. It looks like they're, they're not it keeping sure it at this they're, point. They're going to spin the wheel and make the deal. They're going to get a lot back for that pick too. Oh, they're going to they're going to set their team up very very well. I can tell they you, have that. $108 million to spend. So so if they spend it, well, I, I mean, this GM is really that good. We'll see. Justin Fields is the guy, guys. He's the guy. I, I don't care. I know Carl's a Bears fan, and he and he still has to see a lot from Justin Fields. That guy, that kid has. All the athletic ability to do the things that you expect a quarterback to do. He is a better Jalen Hurts. He, yeah. he is a better Jalen Hurts. He's got the arm strength. He's got the, the foot speed, the body build. That guy is as strong and as fast as any quarterback in the league. The thing about him, the thing that I want to see from him is the development of his throwing skill. Right. That's what I want to see. They have to give him weapons. There is no, there's nothing, as far as free agency is concerned, there's not many big uh, wide receivers that are going to be available. I mean, Hopkins could be available. Uh, Maybe they go after and they gun after him. I I, I don't know. I don't know where they go. Maybe they trade for a wide receiver that becomes available. A lot like the Giants, they might have to trade for one of the 2020 draft. T. Higgins. Maybe maybe if T. Higgins becomes available with the Bengals, uh, because the Bengals can't resign him, maybe you, you, you go after T. Higgins. Right. But you need to bring in a real pure number one. And then you've got to draft somebody. Because there's a couple of good wide receivers in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And Chicago, if they trade down and they do it with the right team, they're going to set themselves up really, really well. Because mm-hmm. if Carolina moves up to one, Carolina is going to have to give up two firsts, two seconds at five. Right. Two firsts, two seconds, and a third in a player. Right. That's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, especially going up from nine. We've seen them. We've seen teams definitely have to give up two no matter what uh, this year and a next year pick. And then, again, if the Panthers even have the draft stock to be able to do that, they're going to have to go back to probably next three years worth of second round picks, possibly, or third round picks, the way the how far back they would have to go up. I don't, would they do that with Frank Reich now as the coach? I don't know. But again, it's it, they have a young GM, too, that I don't know, might want to get aggressive and swing for the fences with the way the Panthers organization has been, especially with developing quarterbacks since Cam Newton. It's going to be fun, and tomorrow will be a big show. We will get into a lot of Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowl this coming weekend. 
Uh, Kansas City versus the Eagles. Uh, Super Bowl 58, right? 57. 57. I always say, why do I say 58? But I, I think it's a number that I can't wait for. But uh, 58? 58. 58. Yeah. I'm trying to think what the significance is that for you. I like the number. Okay. I know 34 is your main number. So I... 34 was my hockey number. There was your hockey and number. And it was my sports number. But Super Bowl 58, uh, or 58, 58 years, uh, it, 58 is a number that I've always liked. Mm. So... Um, that's why I said 58, but next year it'll be Super Bowl 58. But Super Bowl 34 is not one for to remember for Giants fans, that's for sure. Well, it's never uh, be known to be happy for, for a Jet fan. I mean, the only thing that I can remember that made a Jet fan happy was Super Bowl 3, and I wasn't even alive for it, so there you go. Anyways, uh, great show. Thank you. Uh, to wide receiver, tight end, USFLs, Houston Gamblers, um, Brandon Barnes. He was fantastic. Thank you again to NFL draft prospect, Michigan defensive lineman, Mike Morris. He's fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry to all the fans that uh, maybe uh, things didn't come clear in the interview. Speedy will uh, figure that out. Uh, that's why I tell Speedy all the time to test the cameras before the show and make sure that these guys – sound good for the show, but uh, uh, we will get Mike Morris on again. I I do believe that, and he's a nice kid, and I think he's going to be a top two or second or third round pick. Yeah, he's projected late second, early third round pick. I think Shane Hallam in his draft had him as a third round pick. So uh, he's got a chance. Maybe he goes to the Giants. Yeah. Maybe a Jets team that needs defensive line help, so we'll see. Uh, So great show. Uh, Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody that keeps listening to us. Uh, Check us out tomorrow at 9 p.m. Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Once again, I am glad I am not a Brooklyn Nets fan. Have fun, Dallas, with the uh, clown show that is Kyrie Irving. Well... I, I mean, uh, Ringling Circus when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Or as I said in the, or, or I said in the title, maybe the clown show tomorrow to the, to the rodeo. Tomorrow I will get into Kyrie Irving uh, at his press conference saying the things that he said, uh, taking back on the apologies of the anti-Semitic thoughts of the video that he was trying to promote on Twitter. Oh, gosh. Um, as he is a disgraceful person, uh, a person that you can't like, and uh, yes, we will get into, if D'Angelo Russell does get traded to the Lakers, we will get into D'Angelo Russell uh, getting traded to the Lakers, and Westbrook going to Utah, and maybe probably getting waived and going to the, the Nets. I mean, it could be so many things happening tomorrow. And we will get into the trade deadline, which is tomorrow, uh, at 4.30. Ends uh, at 4.30. So. Hopefully Zach Levine will end up in Nick. I, I don't know if it'll be tomorrow. but It's going to have to be or they're not getting him. Well, it could be the offseason. It might be the offseason. We'll have to wait. That's it. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.